Hi, this is Jamal Igel, creator of Molly Danger, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comets. So sweet. Like butter. It is. Smooth and sweet. Makes everything better. That's that. Feeling some kind of way. You know, I was thinking today, while I while I'm working, I have a lot of time to think. <laughs> I am profoundly apathetic. Mm. Why? About life in general? About everything. Yeah, no, this is this is true. It is a trait you have sometimes. Yeah. But why? Why am I like that? Because you don't see us enough. It, it doesn't happen usually when you're around us. No. I will give you that. Like, it there are, but I mean, I mean, if, in it, from a distance, though, I mean, there are times where yes, I could, I'll, I'll glance over your way, and you know, it, it wouldn't be the reaction I would, I would expect. But it's a, um, but it's so, not, it's nothing personal. Like I don't mean oh, no. to do it, right? There's just there's when if when something excites you, when there's something to be worth your attention and time. It it makes you feel a kind of way, and that's great. Right, and, and I know you're not being not a dick when you say that. Do that. Right, you're right. not. Yeah, you're just. That's how I feel. There, there's certain right. things that filter through that I figure. Okay, yeah, this is worth my time. And then there's other things like I don't even pay attention. I have to have more. I don't even pay attention to seventy five percent of the things going on around me. It's. I don't know why I'm like this. I wish you know. Well, I wish I knew. Here. What is this psychoanalysis? It is. You're on the couch right now. I don't get it. Who this started is something that we will talk about at length in our 10-plus-hour drive. In oh, it's going to be glorious. Oh, it's going to be obvious. I'm, I'm way too excited about it right now, knowing that there's still three weeks left. Yes. I know. I'll pack you up. But there was a month left the last time we talked about it, so yeah. now three weeks. Make you a little sandwich. Mm. It'll, oh, I don't know if I'm allowed to eat bread, but... Maybe. Well, no, oh, by that boy. point, no, once we pull out of it's his driveway, the, the wager's been set. I mean, you've already blown past the, the bet. I mean, she, no, I know. Oh, no, no, I hear you. I hear you. You'll be, yeah, you'll I'll, be I'll eat a little bit of bread. That on weekend. The trip. A little there, bit. You know, there's nothing more enjoyable than, than going on a trip with someone and having them say, I can't eat that bun. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> what do you care what goes in my gullet? You're looking great. Don't worry about it. If, if you get to the point Listen, where you wait a minute, you have no room to talk. No, I do. I I just hope that you don't get to the point where you start preaching to people like you gonna eat that. You know what's in that? Oh, of course not. It's like oh. By the way, speaking of that, yeah, my dick. We're sitting what? at the lunch table at work the other day, mm-hmm. and one of my partners puts our CEO on blast about his eating. I couldn't believe it. Wow, what? is that unheard yeah. of? He said because. My, my, my boss bought a sandwich and two soups, which is not atypical for him. And and their other partner said, really, dude, a sandwich and two soups? You're out of control. you got to control yourself. Someone has to say it. And it was like you could cut the tension in the room with the – Damn. Oh, it was brutal. What, did he have a problem with the sandwich or the soups? It's soup. The, the, the quantity. The quantity. What kind of it's soup? soup. I don't know. I don't know. But it's it's oh soup. My God, like how many and baked ziti? I mean, come on, it's fucking soup. How many calories can be in soup? Were they like creamy soups? The or oddity they... of it is that there are a lot of days when his criticism would have been legit, 
Yeah. You know, where he might be a two sandwich and a bag of chips kind of thing. Okay. okay. But I agree with you that the day he finally broke and decided to go off, it was like two little things of soup, which, you know, it's, it's not normal necessarily to see someone have two separate soups, but they weren't large soups. So, I don't know. I'd be like, crawl out of my ass, brother. Please. It was a little awkward. It was a little awkward. And this is a little awkward because it's 11 o'clock comics, episode 474. And I'm Vince B. Damn right you are. I am David A. Price. Yes, you are. My left arm is scattershot. My right arm is afterburner. My torso is light speed. My right leg is nose cone. And my left leg is strafe, otherwise known as Computron. Wow, that was a lot of work. But no. You know what? Can you be Dougie Jones for this week? Just be Dougie Jones. Say, I'm Dougie Dougie Jones. I'm Dougie Jones. Now say, call for help. Call for help. <laughs> Do you know what that is? No clue. It's Twin Peaks. It's awesome. It's oh, nice. so okay. good. Hello. But no, you're not Computron. I kind of wish you were a little bit. You're Jason Wood. Yes, sir. Wow, excitement. <laughs> we're all together again. This is so much fun. It is. Have you guys... Uh, David has been preoccupied, and rightly so. You didn't watch any of the Twin Peaks yet? I have not, no. Did you see season two? I I saw the show in its original form when it was originally aired. Okay. And the movie. But I did not I have not but I've not seen any of that since its original airings. Oh boy. Yeah. It's gonna be rough. It's going to be – well, you don't really need to see the movie. No, I know, which is why I, I haven't gone out of my way. Was it called Fire Walk With Me? Was yeah, that, yeah. No, the movie was great, but it didn't add a whole lot to the mythology right. that we didn't already and know. And you specifically said not to watch it before I finished. Right. So I mean we got – I, I finished the second season and then I didn't get a chance to see right. the movie. We got Agent Jeffries out of it, which was great, which was David Bowie. But this, the, the, the new Twin Peaks is fantastic. Awesome. I, I saw. I watched four episodes so far. Now this is just me being excited that my favorite show is back on TV. The four episodes I've seen are better than season one and two. Okay, hold on. So, so is it a miniseries? They're doing it every night, or is it? No, that's one of the things that Lynch did not want to do with the Netflix show dump with the binge watching. Yeah, right. he did. He said, "I want to make them wait." A week. So what? Between. So it's every oh, week. But so how, oh, it's yeah. it's a bit it's a bit um, hypocritical because they released the first episode was two parts, so that's two episodes. Okay. Then then episode three and four were available on the or two and three, whatever. Two more episodes were available on the app. Okay. Which uh, that's cool. you know, so right. it's a okay. it, It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, now, is it obviously? I, we know in real life, time has passed. They're not trying to pick it up right where we we, we see somebody in in the we see a reflection in the vanity, and then it's like the next day, right? No, We're not. It's, no, time, time has passed. And time has has very much. Twenty five years have passed. So it is okay. So 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 they're going real time. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I like that. It's amazing. Call for help. But anyway, um, this episode. You don't have to call for help because these people will help you get your comic books and assorted fandom bric-a-brac at rock-bottom prices. 
It's Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. You can get everything you want at a fraction of the retail cost. This is probably going to be the last time you hear these. From Boom, it is the Clive Barker Hellraiser Omnibus Trade Paperback Volume 1. I'm kind of glad this is the last time I'm saying that because that's a long-ass title. Cover price is $39.99. Your price, $19.99. From Image, Rick Remender, Greg Tocchini, Dave McCaig, something weird in my throat, hardcover, <clears throat> sorry, $49.99 cover price, your price, $24.99. This For what book is that? It's low. You didn't say that. I Didn't I? Low Deluxe Hardcover Volume 1. It's a mature reader's title. It's amazing. One of the most beautiful books out there. Oh, yes. That's true. And uh, bringing up the rear from Titan Comics, it's Mandrake the Magician, the original Doctor Strange. Uh, specifically, the Fred Fredericks Dailies Hardcover Volume 1. This is a massive book. Forty nine ninety nine cover price. Your price, $27.49. That's 45% off. DCBService.com. Do not mind late orders or order additions, and you get everything you order, and all you have to do is press these little tiny buttons on your keyboard, ding, 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 and they, they package it all up nice and secure and ship it right to your house, and you don't even have to leave. You could stay home forever and get your comics. Mm-hmm. It's that easy. DCBService.com. Go there. Or be square. Yeah, you. It's true. You will be square. I agree. Big punk. <laughs> what are we drinking? Who are you asking? I'm asking myself because I usually go first. <laughs> um, Diet Pepsi. Mm, yeah, I'm re- I'm putting the the alcohol in reserve till we go. Stop. It's true. No alcohol till I see your pretty faces. Okay, I can respect that. Because what are you drinking? I am drinking Acopio Tempranillo, which is a Spanish red table wine. Wow. 2015 vintage. Love the Spanish reds. Love the Spanish reds. I like it. Love the Spanish brunettes, too, if you know what I'm saying. Hey, now. All right. There we go. You people at home didn't see the high five, but rest assured, there was one. There was one. one. That's right. (sighs) Mushroom cap to mushroom cap. So jealous. Ooh. Rocking so, with docking. So. Yeah. <laughs> 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 struck me as funny. <laughs> oh, goodness. What are you drinking, David? Uh, this is something new. This is. Um, the gold foil is throwing me off. Uh, Rhiannon. It is from California. It's a red wine, 2015. Uh, this wine is a homage to our family's Welsh roots. The goddess Rhiannon is a figure of power and mystery in Celtic mythology. This yes. is a uh, delicious blend of Petite Syrah, Syrah, and Barbara with luscious cherry and fresh berry aromas. And it is pretty damn tasty. I... um. I, I just I saw the saw the label looked interesting. I dug it, dug the redhead, and um, I, I am I opened it last night. Had a glass, really good, and uh, I don't think I'll finish it tonight. 
but I wouldn't be surprised if I did. Oh, finish it. You have to. I have to now, right? Yeah. Now you say Rihanna. You know what that makes me think of? Come on. Work, 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 work. No, Fleetwood Mac. Oh, thank God. Okay. I like it. Nice. Good. I'm, I'm glad you like it. No, I, I like. No, I, I liked your connection. I like. Oh. Made you think of. Close the door. Do we? Uh, uh, do we have any um, uh, thank yous? Yes. Wow. Yes, we do. Um, I don't. I have uh, sh- sugar. I thought I had something else written down. Um, but I do want to thank Mr. Dave Jordan because he sent us a preview. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I had it up on the Dropbox because we're going to see it in a yes, couple weeks. You. No, I haven't either because I, I need to put it in Comic Zeal because he says it's, um, there's some two pagers there. So it's, it's, it's in that, that view, but it's, um, it was it we, we we received the um the ash can for it um in Chicago it is uh Valley of Ashes and uh I want to thank him for uh sending us the uh, the sneak peek PDF for that and and I cannot wait to have have it in my hands uh at Heroes um we should really I, read that for like next week just to get some some buzz going I like May that I yeah like because that that's kind oh. of the point. If somebody reaches out to us and says, yo, take a look at this, you know, it would be nice if we talk about it before they can get it. So they can, they have an idea to get it. Yes. And, and speaking of, uh, reaching out and mentioning things, the, uh, because it's, it's from our old forum, but, uh, Peter M. Drummond wanted to make sure that uh, we made folks aware of the Christmas in June gift exchange. Um, you can, uh, it, it's the, the post is in the EOC Facebook group. Um, we can uh, reshare it from there or, or, or cut and paste it, but it's a, uh, but that is, that's, that's an effect. We, we have a lot of fun in December. Um, so we might as well, Spread it around and, and, uh, share the love as the, um, throughout the year. But I'll, uh, I will probably, because our, because the group is closed, I won't link to it, but I'll probably add it to, uh, to Vince's show notes. You um, bring up an excellent point, which I've been meaning to say. Uh, thank you for that. So we post a lot of things in our Facebook group, which is Facebook dot com backslash eleven o'clock comics for people that are interested in no, joining. I'm sorry, no? groups groups slash eleven o'clock comics. Oh, I'm sorry. I, okay, groups. But you just mentioned something which made me think. Um, sometimes we'll post links to eleven o'clock comics dot com, particularly when we have a, a an article on the site for discussion purposes, which is awesome. But sometimes our group members will share that from our group onto their own Facebook feeds, which we love you for doing that. But because we're a closed group, that link is not going to work on your feed. So people are going to click on it and not be able to see any of the content unless they're a member of the group. So generally what we try and do is now if we have an article from our website that we're putting in the group, we will also link to it on our our personal pages, which you then can share 
Uh, or you can just link from 11 o'clock comics itself and just paste that URL. But sharing the post we create in the group on your feed is going to probably annoy people more than help, yeah. even though you mean well. So <laughs> we love you for the attempt, but it's, I think it's an attempt that falls flat. I agree. Um, definitely back you up on that. The EOC gift exchange put, okay, this is what you're going to do. Uh, if you're interested, Simply shoot an email to P Drummond contact D R U M M O N D C O N T A C T at gmail.com with EOC June gift exchange in the subject line, your first and last name. If you have a preference to international or domestic shipping and, uh, and basically where you live. So they know if, you know, if you're fine with domestic, but you live in England, it's really not going to help anybody in Arkansas. So uh, just make sure you have that information in the email to Peter, and uh, and and he will take it from there. Signups will be open until June fifteenth. So um, get in on it because we, it really is a great group of people. It is, and and it's a great way to uh, just really share the love of comics. I mean, I've we've we've all taken things from our collections off our shelves and giving it to other people and and uh and and we've received things that other people have read and enjoyed that they want to let us know or you know you can always just do the whole give me your amazon wish list and i'll just get you something off of that but it it's it's fun times all 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 the time and and it's uh you know why just have it why just have the gift exchange in in december i love it big time Big time. It's good stuff. I hear somebody's got the crickets going. I wonder if you're outside. That's, that's I might as well be. I have both windows open and Vince did not want me to close them. No, so. I, didn't. I see. I, okay. I love that sound. Ambiance. Oh no, I, I, I love the sound too. And it's nice. Both windows open. Like I said, it's, it's a little, little bit of a cross breeze going on. I'm, I'm really digging it. As long as it, as long as the rain comes later and doesn't, uh, come into the room, we'll, uh, we'll have them open during the show. Look at that. All right. This is a special episode. Yes. We did it again because you liked the first time so much. Yes. We decided to have another themed episode. And this one at the behest of Mr. Price. He came up with this all by himself. Which, you know what? It, and I'm, I'm going to, have a moment. Because I am. I am a clamp. Because when after we did the first one and, and everybody loved it and, and you know, it's that was fun. We gotta do it again. We gotta come up with a different one. Jason had a pretty awesome idea. I was like, all right, bet. But then but then the questions came, you know, well, can it be this? Does it have to be from that? Does it so so I had an idea and I said, Well fuck it. I says, after we do that one, as is a few weeks later. We can do this one. And as soon as I mentioned it, Jason's like, no, bet, bet, we're doing that one now. Mm-hmm. That, that, that was next. And, and Jason was the one who had the hardest time <laughs> coming up with <laughs> what he was going to do. But it was, we, and, and Vince was like that. Um, it's true. Vince, and two seconds it took. He, yeah. He's like, this one is what we're reading. And then, uh, but I kind of started it because there was, um, it's, it's a story I haven't read too many times since I first read it and, and, and I wanted to read it again. So, um, but, uh, I think this is going to be Vince's thing. Uh, whenever Jason and I pick one, Vince won't 
So I think Vince <laughs> needs to go first, and then we'll go back to his other one. That's right. Okay. Later, Mr. Book however end. we want to do it. Now, let's Trying tell... to Eiffel Tower us with your ideas. It's true. Seriously. The um, the title or the theme of this episode is, and we can all thank Mr. Price for coming up with this, mm-hmm. a story that forever changed the status quo of the characters depicted therein. A landmark issue that after which everything about the characters had changed forever. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, it's a great theme. I, I agree. Oh. It was awesome. And I will say that as we discuss these, I may go so far as to say the change may not necessarily have been for the best. Depending. Depending, yeah. Okay. And I know one of the issues that we picked, the uh, tragic events have been undone since. Well, we'll get to that, right? We'll get to that. Mm -hmm. But um, David picked a series of issues, one cohesive issue. Three different books, story arc. arc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One story arc. Jason mm-hmm. picked one story arc. That was I, serialized in an anthology. Yeah, and I picked two single issues. Two single issues. Just because you that's actually, how I roll. as much as we're giving you shit, you you actually assigned us the least amount of pages to read. Yes, although one of them was well, no, they were still text heavy. Oh yeah, the least amount of pages. But no, I'm saying, but, but, but even yeah. though we're giving Vince shit because yes. it's two two different oh, absolutely. And stories, yes, his page count was smaller than either of ours. Absolutely true. Mm-hmm. The first of which, uh, I picked a Marvel and a DC. Go figure. That's strange. Mm-hmm. Um, but in line with the theme, I took about two seconds to think: what issues have I read? that were so monumentally important to the characters, and the, this one immediately sprung to mind. And it was written by Mr. Alan Moore, illustrated by the great uh, team of Steve Bissett and John Totalben, color art by Tatiana Wood. The my cover, girl. Yeah, the cover, is that your cousin? Yeah. It's my aunt. Another cousin. Oh, it's his aunt. It's aunt. It's aunt. 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 The cover date of this issue is February 1984, so it's right on that cusp. A lot of people think 1985 was the best year for comics. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's it's debatable. It's debatable, sure. But uh, it is Swamp Thing number 21. Saga of the Swamp Thing, right? Yes. This is actually volume two of Swamp Thing. Yes. The uh, events... Alan Moore wrapped up everything that he had been handed in issue 20, and 21 is pretty much Alan Moore with the reins off. Right. And it is just a fantastic issue because it's that little Alan Moore tweak that he takes something that's already been established and he just injects that idiosyncratic thing that Alan Moore brings to writing, the the germ of the idea, he tweaks what was already there and, and it's, a, it's a revelation. It's, it's a revolution, mm-hmm. right? So the deal is, in the previous issue, Sunderland had been trying to get his hands on the Swamp Thing for 
what, 20 issues, right? And they finally put a bullet in his head. And Swamp Thing goes down. Sunderland takes the body, cryogenically freezes it with hopes of extracting the bio-restorative formula that he's been so, so hot for. In comes Jason Woodrow. The Floronic Man, because who knows plants? Man. Who knows p- plants better than Jason, uh, Doctor Woodrow? He, mm-hmm. he is part plant. So uh, Sunderland um, manipulates Woodrow into uh, studying the mortal remains of Alec Holland, or so we think, and he entices him by by getting him out of prison and. He promises him things, and Sunderland is a self-absorbed, narcissist baby man, much like someone else we know. I don't want to get political, but they're very <laughs> they're very similar. Um, the glitz and the glamour in his gigantic building is mostly uh, his concerns, and he he's um, showing Woodrow around, and he's 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 being. You know, facetious and condescending, as is his his way. So Woodrow gets in, gets his hands dirty, does an autopsy on um, the Swamp Thing's body, and when, when he cuts into the the chest cavity, he's like, "Wait a minute, there's lungs, or or at least plant like structures that look like they can could be lungs, and there are plant like structures that could be a heart and a stomach and and a kidney." It's like why would a plant need all this? Doesn't make sense. And then he got to he 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 did the little stepping stone with the 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 unnecessary organs led to the planarian worm. Specifically, the planarian worm that he read that had been taught to run a maze. Mm-hmm. Imagine teaching a planarian worm to run a maze. But anyway, th- this worm successfully navigated this maze. And the uh, the scientists that, that conducted the experiment then took that planarian's body, cut it all up, and fed it to other planarian worms. And after ingesting the body or the 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 uh, the stuff that that this worm was, all of the pl- or many of the planarian worms that that ate from the the previous planarian worm were able to run the maze. Without never having even set planarian body in the maze, they they successfully traversed the maze. And he, he thought, so maybe consciousness could be transferred via foodstuffs. And it makes sense, right? When when um, there are tribes of of people pre, that have or or do exist on the earth that believe that if you eat the body or the brain of your your enemy, you gain his knowledge. So it's not without. It's not beyond the realm of possibility. But anyway, long story short, when Alec Holland caught on fire and and, and uh, kaboom and dropped into the swamp, he died. Alec Holland died. And the, the, the things within the swamp, the plants, ingested his body and thought that they were Alec Holland. Because his consciousness was so strong and, and the, his means of demise was so shocking that the, the, the strength of, of, of what was happening and who he was just 
leached into all of his cells, presumably, and they ate of him. And the swamp thing was not a man who became a plant, but, and this is the brilliance of Alan Moore, hmm. the, the, the swamp thing was a plant that believed itself to be a man at one time, specifically Alec Holland. And when I can remember the first time I read this issue, and I was just complete. I, I I finished it, turned the last page, and I could not believe what I had just read. I mean, this story is a sea change. It's just it it's 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 novelty. It's something that it's the it, at the time it was the new because no one working for mainstream comics would rewrite the book like that mm. they they would tweak the origins or you know put a little different spin on it but this is a completely different viewpoint into the origins of swamp thing and not only is it so different but it's brilliant it's 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 like a left field glimpse at something that n- no one before had even conceived and i think it's one of the best single issues of all time I think it is an amazing issue. Yeah, David. I, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't no, mean to cut you off. No, please. I just wanted. No, no, no. no I just no, wanted no, a short no. little blast, and then you could tell me why you think that. So, why, Jason, do you think that? Well, uh, first of all, there's provenance, right? Which is that, as you said, although it's technically Alan Moore's second U.S. or issue for a U.S. publisher, this is the first glimpse we get at the man who will become Alan Moore, quote-unquote, right. goat, right? This is, as a U.S. reader, uh, of course, he had already done some pretty awesome stuff, but th- that issue 20 was him wrapping up an already existing narrative, and this was his first chance, as you said, to show us what he's got. Mm-hmm. And structurally, we've waxed we've waxed about Alan Moore many times, and and I understand, especially for younger readers, he may not hold the same... Michael Jordan-esque position that we put him in, but this is a great example of why Moore would go on this run over these next few years that would, in my opinion, cement him as, at a minimum, one of the best of all time, if not, in many folks' views, my own included, the best of all time. Right. And part of that is, we, we've, one of the things we've always said is he's great at different genres, but but in this story, we see a couple of things which become hallmarks of his greatness. Um, his ability to tell a story of different lengths. So this is, we get a glimpse here of, of a, it's one issue. It's essentially a one and done. It's a, it's it, a, it, it, it is a done and one, yeah. Yeah, right, which is it, it, a, a lost art today as as the industry forces people to write for trades. But less, it was less uncommon at this point in comics to do this kind of story. But But still, I think, whereas if you read a lot of, books that we are nostalgic for now as a modern reader, I don't think they would have aged as well. And I think this ages well in, in no small part because it is a done in one. It's a complete story. Uh, two, it, it's got the classic symmetry with which more becomes so known for. I was just going to, yeah, I was going to add yeah. that to the structure of this issue is very much like Watchmen. Exactly. I mean, Watchmen, Again, I, in, I realize it's a common opinion. I, I think Watchmen is the greatest comic book 
story ever written. And part of that for me is the structure. You guys know. You joke with me. I, I love structure. I'm an Excel guy. I love spreadsheets. <laughs> Stop. I love structure. I love it. So, so as much as I think Alan Moore is a great storyteller, it's his ability to be a great storyteller and put science behind it in structure that I just adore. And also to, to have a collaborative relationship with artists who are capable of illustrating that structure without hurting the story. And we see that here. You start... Um, and it might be lost on people, especially before you knew to look for it. Now we know to look for that with more. But uh, the, the book starts with them saying it's raining in Washington, and it ends with them talking about how it's raining in Washington. You see uh, – um, I'm sorry, what's the gentleman's face? Uh, a name, rather? Sunderland. Uh, yeah, Sunderland. You see Sunderland's bloody face up against the window at the start of the book, and then you see Sunderland's face at the end. Um, it's just that, that that component of this is – incredible because again it's done intentionally but i don't think it in any way is done at the expense of a fascinating narrative and i think it's hard to do both at the same time in the same story the Um, it it ends as it it begins as it ends the ending is the beginning the beginning is the ending it's begin the begin yeah and i before you move on the Mm -hmm. the logotype that they use the anatomy lesson with the the body all pulled apart the hitchcock stuff that's 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 saul bass (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, who, anyone who does not is not familiar with the work of Saul Bass, please Google him. Right. Please. Okay. Go ahead. Move on. No, and you you mentioned the planarian worms, but I, I that is a baffling thing, right? Because that is a factual thing. Mm-hmm. We when we read comics, we we understandably take there's a fantastical element, particularly in superhero comics, which is the main genre and the one that we've read more of than anything. Uh, so we accept things that don't make sense, things that are not grounded in reality. That's the nature of a lot of these stories. But more gives you an explanation of a giant plant being, but he bases it in legitimate scientific mm-hmm. facts, yep. which he didn't have to do that, right? It's uh, I joked with, uh, I was thinking about chloromidians. Remember the debacle of, when Lucas did the prequels and he, he oh, no, about I'm sorry, not chlorians. Right? Damn it, Dave. Um, I wanted to get him on that. Thank one. you, midichlorians. <laughs> and, and that was a made-up thing, though, right? I mean, he made that up and it made no sense. Moore could have made something up in this. He could have just said, oh, this reminds me of this thing. And But pl- planarian worms, if you, you that's, a, that's a real thing. He took a real obscure biological uh, function of a, of a lesser being and incorporated that into the story. You, you know you know who does that these days. Now, not everybody does. A lot of people will just mm-hmm. leave it to the science fiction. But Warren Ellis lives on that. That's shit. true. Yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so that's fascinating. I think this, and you may find this blasphemous, Vince, because this is more your territory, but rereading this story, except I read it uh, some time ago when I was First reading all of the Swamp Thing stuff. Uh, but rereading this, it's it evoked memories to me of of creepy and eerie in the sense that it's a <laughs> it's a horror book. It's a Why? it's it could be a one and done horror story. Why would I ever find that blasphemous? Well no, I because that that source material is so precious to you too. I don't know if I'm if you think the comparison is a is a lazy one or not. No, I think Beset and Total Bin visually would have fit perfectly in Creepy mm-hmm. and Eerie. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then you and you mentioned it that the 
the the story is called. I, I don't. I think you said this, but the story of the the name of the issue is the anatomy lesson. Right. And it's so fascinating for him to be doing an autopsy and be pulling out these organs and remarking about how they don't serve a biological function. Because we ourselves, as, as human beings, we have evolutionary things in our bodies that don't serve a function, sure. right? And and they're just there. And he makes that point. And I, I just so well-crafted. The story's so well-crafted on so many levels. And then my one little funny anecdote from this book is Total Ben and Beset, it's a breathtakingly beautiful issue. But homeboys need to they didn't have Google back then because if they did, they would have figured out how to draw a wine glass better. It's a jank oh, wine is. glass. <laughs> it is. It's a jank wine glass, but every jank other jank thing glass. in the issue is stunning. So they're allowed to be wrong on the wine glass. It's like, it's like a, the kind of glass that you, that they make the champagne fountains out of. Yeah. I mean, it's all he had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he's not going shopping for wine glasses. Sure. <laughs> what do you think, David? This was a, um, I, I, read this many many moons ago um so i remember practically nothing from it and it so i i pretty much read it with with fresh eyes and, and there were some things that that rank familiar but it is absolutely a uh, a stunning issue it is it is packed on on every page there it's and yes because it's the way jason said that it it practically timeless it's a done in one but there's you know the technology that there isn't anything really that dates it it's not like they're talking about you know old reel-to-reel computer tapes or 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 anything that would just make it seem old they're they're, of course some of them wears a suit woodrow woodrow's clothes for the most part when he's not pharaonic man but other than that i mean there there isn't anything that that makes it feel like this was a product of 1984 there there, there's no no one's drinking tab and no one's talking about you know going going to you know turn on miami vice or anything like that it's just it's it's a fantastic issue it's just it's it's not the falco um it is it's it is a great great issue but it reminds me of why I was never really buying and reading Swamp Thing on the regular. At, 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 during this time, hmm. it wasn't it wasn't all capes and cowls for me. But for me, it's Swamp Thing. Very, from what I remember, was a very slow burn. Very deliberate. There and there really wasn't with, with everything else going on with all the and it wasn't all just flash or or style and no substance. There were I mean you know because we're also talking about things from from first comics or Eclipse. We're talking about Mage. We're talking about Grendel. So there there are other things that that I'm I'm reading that are I'm you know, getting a bang for my buck. But with Swamp Thing, if, if I'm going to read a story about a character. I, I kind of need some interaction. I need the character. I mean, in this issue, obviously, you know, you're not going to get a ton of Swamp Thing because it's all, I mean, it, it, it's fantastically plotted and laid out and, and where more wants to go. So I'm, I'm, I'm along for the ride here, but, um, there's just, it, there's certain things that I, I look for when I'm spending my money on comic books to read these stories. And, and at the time, Swamp Thing wasn't 
reeling me in. I, I recognized the talent on the book. I recognized what it was doing and why it was a big deal. But I, I just never got caught up in, well, if everybody else was reading it, you know, I, I, I saw the awards. I think everything was great. I saw the Amazing Heroes write-ups. But um, it was definitely a series where I'm like, you know what, I'll, I'll read it when I want to or when I can. But it's not, you know, it's like, oh, look, here's another issue of whatever Marvel or DC is putting out. Um, but after reading this again, it, it is just so apparent. It's, it's so clear that without, without Moore's time on Swamp Thing, I, I, I truly feel that without this, and I know, you know, Vertigo came after and, and Swamp Thing was one of the first Vertigo books, but without Moore doing this, work on Swamp Thing, we would not have gotten the Vertigo that, or the British Invasion that, that, that ended up becoming Vertigo with, with Preacher or Sandman, mm-hmm. or obviously Hellblazer, but it, it's just, um, totally agree. There's, it, it, you, you, you can't have, you couldn't have gotten that without this. I'm not saying maybe the guys wouldn't have come around and, and, and tried to walk their wares, but it, it all this seriously, laid the groundwork. It is, it is a fantastic issue. Um, it looks amazing. I, I, I totally get why, uh, you would pick this Vince and it, it, it's completely fits the theme of it, but it is, um, and I mean, you don't even need to, cause like you said, yes, you know, you, you, you gave us the rundown on, of, of the events leading up to this particular issue and seeing Swamp Thing in, in the cryo chamber and, and everything, is happening for a reason, but even I didn't remember that and not knowing that didn't alter my appreciation of, of, of the issue at all. I just, obviously, you know, Sunderland has one thing. He's high. He, he, he had, would you release from prison to work on this dilemma? Um, completely. And, and in the back of his mind, the Floronic man's like, you know, he's just, he's going to toss me aside. I'm going back to prison when this is done, when I, when I, when I finish doing his bidding. But, um, you know, everything, everything was definite. And, and you only have to go a few pages in to realize, I, well, it's right there on the first page, but you, you know where everything was ending up. But the fact that you're just, you're, you're hooked and, and along for the journey. I, you know where you're headed at the end of it, but it, it, it was, a wonder just to get there. I did visually it's absolutely stunning. And the, um, and more is just, he's, he's, he's fantastic in this. And, and, and it's one of the, yes, it's, it, yeah, it's like Jason said, it's, it's real, real early American published comic work, but you know, and, and, and it's 1984. It's the same guy who a little while later will, Right, Watchmen, and then many, many years later, we'll get uh, Providence and everything in between. But um, it, this, and and how long was he? Because I, I know he started way, way young because he was drawing cartoons. But when when did he start writing professionally in the UK? Wow! How long before this? I mean, it was it was the seventies, right? I think I believe the late seventies, yeah, seventy five yeah. or up, yeah. So I mean, so 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 maybe almost a decade he's been he's been writing or, or making money writing, but it, this doesn't feel like 
and and maybe that's why because he had been writing for a while. But it doesn't it doesn't feel like you know somebody new. Oh, we got somebody new who's going to write Swamp Thing, and you know you may not have heard of him, but and th- this then it hits the ground running. It, it it's not it does not feel like somebody who's going to just take a stab right in these American comics. Um, and and he he owns it right right from the first page. Oh phenomenal. yeah, it's like the majority of Marty Pasco's stuff that came before he he took what he wanted and just Sunderland basically and the rest he's just like yeah whatever I don't need that not to say that Marty Pascoe's run was bad it, it, right. it was but fun it, it just it fit with what Moore wanted to do which is right, great right right and um who else wrote some of of Saga um it is, it is Dan, I think it was Dan Mishkin I okay. think wrote some but it, they're they're entirely forgettable which right. was which was why they brought somebody else in because the series was, you know, it was just one environmental thing after another and let's hunt down the swamp thing and blah, you know it was as a swamp thing fan largely because of what Len Wein and Bernie Wrightson did on the previous series, I just bought this out of habit because I love the character, right? But when more finished, I mean, when more started, and I was just I I bought multiple copies of every issue, I just devoured it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Jason, remember last week when you posed the question of you know has when we were reading we were talking about Batman has the Swamp Thing ever killed? There you go. <laughs> True, and I don't know why I didn't think about that. Yeah, well, it happens again. Thing, it's it's um, someone also asked. I think it was um, uh, I think it was I think it was Luke on on the Facebook group page. Um, he uh, he asked if if Swamp Thing has always known Batman's identity. And for something like that, I mean, I was even thinking about some of the old Brave and the Bold issues or anything like that. But back then, that wouldn't have been, that's not important. It's, I mean, now obviously with Swamp Thing being part of the green and, and, you know, post rebirth and or even New 52, that you could get into all of that. But I mean, as far as things back then, you know, if, if Batman and Swamp Thing are going to team up, it, it's not, you know, I don't think, Swamp is going to, you know, say goodbye to Bruce as as their parting ways or anything like that. But right, well, um, if, if Bruce has any kind of plants or or fruit or like anything, friggin' even the the uh, bacteria in Alfred's ear, like he would just grow himself in in Wayne Manor and just eavesdrop. Oh look, he, he's Batman. That banana has a the face. Ba- the best part of that issue is Alfred walking around being pissed off having to clean up after, yeah. after a small thing. Yeah. Um, so to wrap this up, what else did I want to say? I had one more thing to say, and I just can't remember it. Okay. Oh, now I know. Um, David is huge. Big surprise on Inkers. And it's my, I mean, I, I, it's my fault. I don't bring up John Totalbin nearly enough, but... He, I don't even think there's anyone today that approximates John Totalbend's inking style. It's awesome. The the thin to thick to thin. He'll mm-hmm. he'll thicken the line where the shadows are the deepest, and it's just it's it's totally idiosyncratic. Like you see this, and you mm-hmm. say, "Okay, John Totalbend, I know who inked this." And yes. guess what, Vince? Hmm. You will be able to shake the man's hand and thank him for this work oh. in three weeks at Heroes Con. I already did. But I, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to do it again, yes. Mr. Total Ben will be at Heroes Con. Yow. Maybe he'll have, Yow. Some, maybe he'll have some OA. 
Why? Why not? Oh, I could be wrong. You see, I would Page. buy I would buy a, a beset total bin page of Swamp Thing in a second. Of course, you I'm would. sure you would. <laughs> and I, they're I not also, exactly readily available these days. Yeah, I, I understand that. I would even buy a, a Rick Veach written and drawn page of Swamp Thing because his. Would drawing, you buy the cover of Nick's number three for seventy two thousand dollars? What? Yes. No, I'm I'm not that much of a high roller, you know. Well, here's the crazy thing. At this Heritage auction, which ended last week, the cover of Nick's number three by Josh Middleton, which is significant because it is the first appearance of X-23, that series, sold for seven, just under $72,000, which in and of itself is remarkable. But what absolutely floored me on that same auction on the same night the cover of Watchmen number two sold for $64,000. That's so bizarre. It is. I mean, listen, you all know I love X-23. I get away from commissions of her. I'm down with it. But if I was in the position where my wife wouldn't divorce me for spending $70,000 on a single piece of art, I would much rather, as I think 99% of people who buy high-end art, would rather have a cover from Watchmen than cover from Nick's. Right. Well, I'm guessing that the person that bought it is hoping that the Marvel Cinematic Universe will reflect the, <laughs> the events of Logan and she's yeah. going to be the next Wolverine in mm-hmm. the movie. So, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. that could multiply the, the value right. of that, that piece. And, so. and incidentally, for our listeners who aren't in our Facebook group, that same auction, we saw a new record for a U.S. based comic book piece of art, uh, which was a cover uh, from Fritz the Cat yes. by by Mr. Crumb. It went for a little more than $700,000. Well worth it. <laughs> that's, that's my opinion. My goodness. You know, when, when he uh, fled the country and, and went to France, uh-huh. he traded original art for uh, his his uh, residence in, in France. The, per- awesome. the, the man is a... Come on. Crumb is one as, of those As, as the story goes, I was told... I think maybe it was Felix Liu who told me this, or someone else in our Facebook group told us that he actually traded art for a villa in France. Yeah. A beautiful villa, That's which he I'm owns. Saying. Yeah. Wow. The man is that, is... that is That is barter right there. Yeah. Well, I mean, are you? You've never said either yay or nay. Are you a fan of Crumb? I am. I am not a. I'm not not a fan. If you know what I mean. You just need stuff to read. I think. I have read a, a chunk of his stuff, and not ever disliked it. But I've never been. I've never felt that tractor beam pull to devour significant components of it. I, I, He's so important. You're setting a trap for me here. I am. Uh, <laughs> I, I am not a particular fan of his artistic style. Okay, let's move on. No, but I guess here's, it's not fair. You <laughs> set a trap for me. I, I'm not saying it's not... I know, it's just not your ...significant or it's not awesome and that I don't begrudge people. I, I have no hate for it. This isn't a, a, a Greg Land... 
<laughs> no, I, I, but I just, you know, it's, it's the same thing with, with, with Pete Bag or, or the Hernandez brothers. I, I, I 100% recognize the genius and the importance of them as creators. I, I it just doesn't resonate with me, right? I, right. I get it. It's, it's in no way a condemnation. And that's why you often haven't heard me talk about it because I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to be mischaracterized as someone who, oh, Woodrow hates, it's crumb. I, that's not at all. <laughs> it's, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is the internet, right? So. It is, yeah. All right, let's move on. Who wants to go next? Jason does. Okay. okay. Does he? All right. No, that's fine. So, as David mentioned, I struggled with this. I, I loved the idea. As, as soon as David brought it up, as he said, I, I, I was 100% on us making it the priority because I thought it was a fantastic idea. But I got hung up because I was taking it to mean something in the character's history that had gravitas. And real talk, the characters that most of you listeners would think of as my favorite characters haven't had too much gravitas. Yeah. Meaning... I would be hard pressed to tell you what the life changing story is for Deadpool or, or Domino. I, I don't know that Domino's ever had a life altering storyline and Phantom X. I don't know that Phantom X has had a magnum opus that would care, that would count for this. So I ultimately rolled back and just cleared my mind and then thought, okay, I'm, I'm being silly because I can choose Wolverine and there have been so many Wolverine stories that uh, I would argue there's probably been it, his, his gravitas moments have been overdone and retold a million times. So with that as a backdrop, it made a lot of sense to have us revisit the first of these stories, the one that set him up for being the character that is constantly revisited in his past. And that is... Wolverine and the story collectively now known as Weapon X and there's a there's there's a collected edition of that name but it was originally part of the serialized Marvel Comics Presents and in this case this is a story that ran in Marvel Comics Presents issues 72 through 84 and for those wondering on a page count basis those 13 uh, 13 issues 14 issues are, are the page count roughly equates to a six issue trade all in. So about 130 or some pages. And it was written and drawn by Mr. Barry Windsor Smith. And why was this important? Well, we've talked about this years ago, but, but it's been a long time. Marvel comics presents was a weekly. It was weekly, right? Biweekly, 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 serialized anthology that Marvel put out and it was an odd duck because it was part tryout book right mm-hmm. right there were there were there were parts of each issue that were po- not poorly drawn but drawn by artists who were just cutting their teeth and it was their first shot there were little one-off stories that almost felt like inventory stories and then there were continuing arcs and over the course of the book's history, a number of prominent Marvel characters featured in those lead arcs. But for the most part, I think when you look back on it, Wolverine was the, the top dog there, at least for the longest period of time. Um, you were introduced to the concepts of, of, of Wolverine being 
a, cl- uh, a club owner and James Bond-like character called Patch in Madripoor. Um, you were given lots of different versions of Logan as a character. But in this particular series, we are we are given, for the first time, and that's the significance here, a look into a bit of, of, of Logan's backstory. Now, some mistakenly refer to this Weapon X story as Wolverine's origin story. And I don't think that's fair. I don't think it is his origin story. What it is, is it's the story of how he got his adamantium in his body. That's what it is. It's, it's not his origin story. We don't really get his origin story until many, many years later in Wolverine origin, um, which is another conversation, a conversation for another time. Um, but in this book, essentially we're introduced to the idea of experiment X, which over time has evolved into what we now know quite in a tiresome way is weapon X. It's probably an overused trope at this point, the idea of weapon X, but this was our first exposure to that. The, the term weapon X had been mentioned before, uh, in, in loosely in, in some of the X-Men and, 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 uh, other sorted appearances. But, but this is the first time we get a look into what weapon X was. And, Logan is captured by uh, a team of scientists, um, including uh, Professor Cornelius, their assistant, Miss Hines, and then the professor, who, uh, as Vince asked in our Slack this week, over the years will later be given a name of Thornton, Professor Thornton, but in this book he's just known as the professor. And it chronicles the, the idea of, of them capturing Logan and putting him through the process to turn him into an ultimate weapon. And that process involved bonding his bone structure with adamantium. And again, this is all things that if you've read Wolverine at all in the last 30 years, this is, you take this for granted, not only because you know, he has an adamantium, but they have retold this in many different forms in many flashbacks. I don't know, a hundred times, many, many times it's been retold, but this was the first, this was when we first got this idea of him and what it was like for him. Um, and, and it, I think the strength of this book, this arc is Barry Windsor Smith's artwork. He creates imagery, iconic imagery about this character that has stayed with him for the last almost 25, 30 years since this story was put out. Um, imagery that we saw, in fact, in the movies recently. Um, you know, that scene where Hugh Jackman is escaping from Project, you know, the Weapon X project um, in the last X-Men movie. An apocalypse. Right, the age of, yeah, it, that, exactly. That, that's, that imagery is literally taken directly as though these stories from Marvel Comics Presents were the storyboards for that. Um, but there's some fascinating nuances to this when you go back and reread it that I think it's funny to see how certain things have stayed and certain, certain things have changed. I think the most startling thing about this, if you're a more recent acolyte to the Wolverine mythos, is that in this story, they don't realize that Wolverine is a mutant with a healing factor until he's going through the process. Now, subsequent to this, that has been retconned. And the retellings of his origin, it's much different. In the retellings, including of the movies, but in the comics, they specifically get him to do this because it's been impossible to bond adamantium to a regular person. And so they figure out that because of his healing factor, 
he can withstand the rigors of this experiment. But in this book, they don't know until they're going through the process. And it's, it's, it's interesting because I don't know that it's, 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 it, it belies logic, right? Like it belies logic that they would pick this guy. Well, I think when I originally read it, when it was coming out, I was under the impression that they pick him up because he's a loner. He won't be missed. If, if, if this, right. yet, no, that's if this true. is yet another experiment mm-hmm. that fails, no one is, no one's going to look for him. So, uh, the fact that he is just because he is watched and, and, you know, as, as the story opens, the professor is, is recruiting Dr. Colinas. He's, he's, he's grabbing high. He's, he's interviewing Hines and, um, which was some of my favorite parts was how, how deliberate BWS was in, in crafting this story. And it's, it's, I, I'm not, I want to let you finish, but it, it was, it, yes, I, I didn't, I wasn't aware that they ended up trying to say, trying to retcon it so that they knew from jump that he was a mutant that I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and another, but there's so, right. So, so the story is essentially they, they capture him, they bond him to the process and then they're trying to, uh, condition him, brainwash him, whatever, pick your, pick your terminology, but to, to turn him into this weapon and it's a process and he goes through Wolverine goes through this process of rebelling against them and we're taking through this arc where, and again, this is imagery you've all probably, as you're listening to this, have seen in other forms or other comics to this point. But he escapes from his bondage. They can't, they, no matter what they do, they can't slow him down. And he brutally murders Cornelius and the professor, puts spikes, his claws right through the professor's skull, um, does not kill Hein, which is interesting because during this, this scene, the professor, in order to save himself, throws Hein over that ledge of the lab, essentially trying to put her into Logan's way. And he doesn't kill her, which again hints at this idea that although he is an animal and a, and a berserker, he has an affinity for women and for protecting them. Um, but what's fascinating is you, you see for five or six of these issues, him going on this killing spree and escaping. And then right at the end, you realize that it's all been yet another AI part of the conditioning program. And he is, in fact, still in their captivity and is being trained by them. But it's almost like a, a loop because then he actually does escape from that moment and does go into the lab. And the, the book ends with, with Wolverine finally getting into the lab and, and confronting them. So we see the professor get killed, but then we find him back. And, and it's presumed you're left to your imagination as to whether he kills these people or not. Uh, and And... Again, Professor Thornton does reappear over the years in different Weapon X related stories. So in essence, he does find a way to escape. But the there's some really cool components of this from a historical perspective. Um, although the professor is mysterious in his own right and in charge, we're made aware of the fact that there is a man behind the man behind the man. There is another person that is nameless, which which the professor is clearly getting his orders from. So much so that this person knew that Wolverine was a mutant from the start. And the professor's very upset about this in the little moment where he squirrels away to have a conversation with this person and says, hey, bro, you're making me look bad here. I'm trying to be in charge, and I don't even know he's a mutant. You're making me look feel some kind of way. So I don't know if you guys know this, but the intent, the man behind the man was supposed to be Apocalypse. Really? Yes, it was always meant to be Apocalypse. And then when Claremont 
moved on and then left the X-Books and all that sort of thing, that story fell by the wayside. And it was never revisited until many, many years later in the comic series Wolverine Origins, which was in the early aughts, that scene is revisited and the man behind the man is then dubbed to be the character Romulus, who is retconned into being the guy that is essentially responsible for all of Wolverine's travails. That's, again, another story for another day. I will leave that alone and say... That was the uh, Daniel Way series, right? Exactly. Yeah, like... So, but, but, but what is now known in continuity as being Romulus, who was in charge of this, it was meant to be Apocalypse at the time. Apocalypse wanted Wolverine to be turned into this so he could be one of his original horsemen. Um, but we, that's, that's, never, that's never realized. Another interesting thing, the, when they're doing the experiments on him, they are surprised when he extra adamantium more than they had planned for given his body size as being drained from, from the system as they're putting this in him. And it ends up being because it's pooling in his hands and the claws pop out. Now that was, we all take that for granted now, but it was not, it was the intent at the time for the claws to not be organic. But the funny thing is about that is that would be illogical. Why would he magically create, metallic claws that extend out of his hands during this process if they weren't bonding onto his bones like every other part. Mm-hmm. So to me, it makes much more sense that they are organic. But at the time, it was not intended for them to be organic, interestingly enough, which would have been dumb, I don't think. It would have made much sense, but that was the intent. Um, the professor character is a bit of a classic trope. I don't know that he's a unique or new character at the time, but he's a sadist. Um, there's a moment, a particular moment, and in the grand scheme of things, considering Wolverine can heal from almost anything, this shouldn't matter much, but it shows you where the professor's mind at, and that is Wolverine is laying, having been taken down yet again in an attempt to escape as they're conditioning him, and the professor has a hot cup of coffee in his hand, and in pure contempt, he pours the burning coffee on Logan's head Mm -hmm. as he's walking by. And it's just, it's this fascinating choice by Barry Windsor Smith to just show off that even in the midst of all this, the professor is simply a sadist. He just takes pleasure in being cruel. All right. Um, so, you know, again, the, the thing about this is is I, I, I referenced in the beginning that some of these stories change the character forever, maybe not for the best. And I kind of think of that a little bit about Wolverine in the sense that if I have one criticism about the X-Universe and Wolverine included, it's that so many writers have felt compelled to pay homage to things of the past, whether it be with the X-Men, the idea of time travel and alternate futures or the Sentinels. And I think too many writers have gone back to this Weapon X origin idea too often. Like, we've been there, done that. And I think that if you're going to focus on this, it's like Superman. How many Superman origin stories are there? I feel like it's like Wolverine because the character part of him is this idea that he doesn't know his, he doesn't remember his history and he has lost memories. They just revisit it so often. And I think they too often they revisit it. Yet this was the first time we saw all this. This is the first time we saw him getting tortured and turned into the weapon and the travails of that and escaping into the wilderness and into the, into the wild, which again leads to him being discovered by, by, you know, when becoming the character we now know. So, so I, I, I love what it is. And I think this is probably in my opinion, the best written of all of the times we've seen this story. And it was the first time. So kudos to Windsor Smith. Um, I'll let, I want to hear what you guys thought. I, I want to get back to talking about Barry Windsor Smith in a minute, but let's, uh, I want to hear you guys thoughts on the story itself. 
uh, when I, I love Marvel Comics Presents, it, it, you know, you had the first story was, was usually a, a multiple part tale. There, there was usually a one, a page story that was done in one, um, almost all, almost every issue. If it didn't feature Wolverine in the first story, it was definitely an X-Men character. Uh, but it was, it, and yes, like you said, it was, it, it, there, there was, it was definitely, um, very try-out-y, uh, in some stories, but it was, it's a great concept. Absolutely loved it. Uh, this story is one that I've read a couple times over the years, read it when it was coming out. Absolutely loved it. And, and I don't know if, um, it, I was always, when I think of Barry Windsor Smith and the X-Men, I think of Life Death. I think of fucking Storm and Forge and those two issues of, of, of Uncanny X-Men. And I don't, I never really thought of BWS as a, as a Wolverine artist. So it, it, it always fascinated me that he wrote and drew the origin of Wolverine meeting Adamantium. And it, I don't know if I, I never found out why. I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was just an assignment, or if he had an idea, or like you said, with you know Claremont had an idea for for Apocalypse to be pulling the string. So I don't. I don't know what was going on in the mutant office at the time. But um, for all the people that could have told this story, uh, I'm. I love that it is Barry Windsor Smith, but I'm I'm slightly surprised that it's Barry Windsor Smith. Uh, well. Remember where Barry Windsor Smith got his start. X Men. He was well, he was well, aping Jack Kirby in 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 the pages of uh, it's pre one hundred definitely like I think it's even pre Neil Adams. Pre Neil Adams. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I think I, I don't no, know. Okay, so, I, did, I, so, right, so so he's got an X Men connection, but again, it doesn't necessarily make it a Wolverine connection. Right? If it's, if no, it's pre- I mean, Neil. I think he likes the concept of the X Men a lot because just from what I know of Barry Windsor Smith, like I've never read an interview with him where he comes right out and says, "Yeah, I love the X Men; they're just great." Right. But <laughs> if you look at that graphic novel that he did for, uh, I believe Fantagraphics published it, the Adastra in Africa. That was That's originally a, three. That was re, yeah. It was originally a storm yeah. story, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he he does have a connection somewhere to these characters, whether yeah. you know he he just loves them or, or what. But I don't know. The uh, I, I thought it was a great. I mean, and reading what's funny is um, I don't. Have, I think Vince and I are going to look for the premier hardcover at Heroes in three weeks. But the uh, <laughs> I I just going to remind people. In, in three reminding people. Uh, shameless plug. The, the, um, but I read this, I, I reread these issues, uh, through Marvel Unlimited. And what's hilarious is that when you look up these issues, 72 through 84, you're not getting all 22 or, or however many pages, because Marvel Comics Presents was, it had, um, wraparound covers and no ads. But so you're not getting, all the pages of that issue, you're just getting the eight pages of Weapon X for these, for these eight, nine issues. And, and I thought I, that, that amused me to no end. Right. Uh, so I, 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 and I thought, and 
every time where, where, where a chapter ended, I just thought I, I, it didn't feel like, cause it is, it's, it's, it's over. It's, it's a dozen issues. And, and yeah, so like you said, it's, it's, it's about six issues in a trade. So it's, it's a, um, there are at no point as I'm reading it, I'm going through the, the, the 11 chapters to get to the 12th. And, and the 12th is actually, it's a little, no, I, I, that issue 84 pretty much took the entire issue. Uh, it was longer than, than the eight, eight page format. So, um, yeah, there's the, a Firestar uh, story in the, somewhere in the back. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so the, um, so every chapter break, I felt just felt natural. It, 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 it right, didn't feel right, padded. Right. It did not feel like it was drawn out. It's not like, okay, well, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, when, when, when every chapter ended, it ended at a great point where, and like you said, so the, the professor's going to pour coffee here or, uh, Wolverine's going to be dreaming and that he's, you know, gutting and slicing the professor apart and and that's you know with that chapter and everything everything is just absolutely um so so well told the uh you know at at first when 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 the story first came out everybody's looking at the professor and actually everybody's thinking well he kind of looks like another professor in Wolverine's life absolutely. and absolutely. and it was <laughs> so it it it's whether whether that, is that a chance it wasn't um which might throw some people off, but you can kind of quickly get past that. Uh, the line work is amazing. The colors, I colors are what they are. I, I, I don't really have a problem with that. I mean, but but a little muddy though, a little muddy. You can be honest, and and a little bright in some places. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, uh, but it doesn't. It's not. It doesn't detract, and it's not. And, and the fact that he's got he's got wires and cables and 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 blinking yes. lights on all the all, all the knobs and computers. It's my man just does not phone it in at all, and and it's consistent. Like he does, it does the anti John Byrne as we'll see. <laughs> he's which we'll get to in a little bit, but the the uh, it, it's consistent throughout. It didn't look like as 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 the story goes on that you know Hines is getting a little droopy in the face, or or the professor's getting you know a little. little uh, the glasses aren't quite ma- everything. Windsor Smith just knows it's how to work. It's he in work. does. He does. It's absolutely fantastic. But um, and we know just enough about everybody. You know, we know we know just enough about about mm-hmm. Logan the loner because uh, that first almost like a, a, a prologue where you know he's going he's going to the, to the target uh, shooting range and and you know he's just he's, he's, he's we hear we're getting a little bit of of Logan's inner monologue and then that's pretty much the last we hear Logan speak until um until some other things happen. But uh it it's almost haunting. But I do since since you, you did bring it up and yes it is it, it it's a discussion for another time. Uh maybe a ten hour car ride. But what did you think? What what did you think when they announced that Bill James was going to write Wolverine's origin story, and what did you think about it after you read it? Because that's one thing I don't think I've ever asked you in all the years I've known you. Oh wow, you felt hot take right here. They, yes, how you felt when they were finally going to give us Wolverine's origin? I think not knowing where everyone else stands that would consider themselves quote unquote diehard Wolverine fans. And unlike many other 
quote unquote big Wolverine stories that make me want to puke, like Loeb's dog wolf or dog dog story. <laughs> um, or Romulus for that matter. I loved the original Wolverine origin. I loved it. I loved the art. I loved the story. Didn't take away my enjoyment of the character at all. Had no issues with it whatsoever. I I I, I view it as in canon. I consider it part of the main continuity. I I think it's I liked it. I, I thought it was great the way that they had him be the the runt and it was heartbreaking and I think it established this ongoing theme of him of losing the people that he loves, sometimes at his own doing, and always trying to protect the women in his life but failing miserably. Uh, yeah, I I really liked it a lot. I, I I've I've reread it a few times and I, I think I think I'm in the minority there. I, I think that is a story that is more reviled than appreciated by most. But um, but I never had an issue with them, quote-unquote, taking the genie out of the bottle. I don't know. It didn't bother me. What about you, Vince? Well, I, I have to preface anything I'm going to say with the fact that I'm not a fan That's of this Wolverine. character. I'm, yeah, I'm, right. just, I'm just not. Um, I bought X-Men for the longest time strictly out of inertia. Uh, the, the thing that bothered me the most about Wolverine is the carrot on the stick. How they kept teasing about his origins and, and, and his, the false memories that he had. And that's what mm-hmm. I, I love most about Weapon X is, is the fact that it's one of, it, it's a very literal interpretation of the false memories that we all had to digest for years. Right. With this character. So. Right. Well said. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't find him appealing. So I bought Wolverine Origin just because. Curiosity. Yeah. And because Richard Isenov. Yeah. Was, and the art was, I have to say, gorgeous. Mm-hmm. At that point, I, I was Wolverined out. I, I just, what, mm-hmm. it was, there was a big whatever. After I, I read it, I didn't care either way. But what did you think about this? This, like David, I bought this as it was coming out, and with the, with the hopes that I would get something for reading X Men for so long, give me some concrete information on where this character came from, what what you know, just the whole who is this man known as. Logan. I, I just wanted to know. And this didn't disappoint. But again, this could have been a super patriot story back then. <laughs> Wolverine was not high on my list of favorite characters. Right. And right. I, I, again, I appreciate the art. Um, Windsor Smith is a virtuoso. I mean, he's just fantastic. I, I, I love Barry Windsor Smith. So of course I would buy this. And, and, I came out of it with a somewhat greater appreciation of the character, not which is when you're at like five, maybe I had like a 30% jump in appreciation, which again is not saying a whole lot. Um, I, I don't want to keep crapping on the character because it's, it's, not, make me it, cry. it's not fair. It's really not fair. He, he is beloved by many. So, so great. Um, but I, I enjoyed it, I, but this time when, when I read it, I had so much fun reading this. Mm-hmm. Feed, feed, feed. Yeah, yeah, that's the. <laughs> one. Um, and Jason, I gotta 
left take issue when you say it's left ambiguous whether or not he kills the professor? I think it's pretty pretty cut and dry that he did. Because when you see the interlude and escape masthead after the 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 uh, after he breaks into the lab and mm-hmm. and, and Hines and and Cornelius <gasps> and they're all looking at him, mm-hmm. there's a pair the the, the professor's glasses are overlaid over interlude and, es- and escape, and they're broken and bloody. That's true. Yeah, he he killed him good. I guess maybe I'm going with the idea that since we see Professor Thornton in other stories years later, yeah, I just can't accept that. It's it, just retconned. Yeah, I would I would have loved if they one never gave him a name, didn't need one, right? And and two just kept him dead. I'm with you. No, I'm with you. There's yeah. no need to. There's been so many ambiguous leaders of the Weapon X program that they didn't need to bring him back. Ever. Right. My favorite part of this series, though, is Hines. I love Hines. No, she's cute. Interesting. I th- yeah, yeah. I, th- I think she's so great. She, again, she she reinforces the fact that he's not completely an animal. True. He gloms on her very early in the story, mm-hmm. and she obviously. I mean, there's no feelings other than her concern for another human being like there's no mm-hmm. romantic involvement between the two of them but yet he steps up and does what wolverine always does and right. and 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 tries to save the woman and you know respect yeah i can respect Absolutely. that the character but i think it was john byrne that really killed wolverine from me like i forget where okay. they were was it that's the, funny because he would say that he saved them no uh-huh. was it the savage land when they do mm-hmm. this brief aside well wolverine's like i'll take care of the guards and and you hear you hear the snicked and he comes back and he's like okay let's go, you know that right there that was probably the moment I really had not a whole lot of concern for that character, because he's with characters that don't kill, they're they're heroes even though sure. Scott Summers is a is a schlep, he, I mean he does have he he does have he's a very moralistic character Wolverine will just gut somebody back then and I didn't like You're it. Right. I didn't. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't see a need for it, and, mm-hmm. and I think you know Wolverine is the poster child for the '90s. You could you could blame all of the grim and gritty and the darkness on Wolverine, and a lot of people would take you seriously. Well, I would say that Wolverine is a character. Frankly, I think that's a trend for me. Most of the characters I hold dear are characters that are either loved or hated, right? Sure. Probably more hated. I, I would take a pulse. I would. I don't know where Wolverine sits there because he is very popular, but I do think that there are a lot of people that it doesn't seem like people are ambivalent about Wolverine. You either are annoyed by him or you love him. Right? Well, yeah, because it's oh, we need to boost sales, or oh, mm-hmm. let's have you know, it's, no, it's Punisher true. and Wolverine, mm-hmm. and Spider-Man and Wolverine. And, oh, and look. Deadpool certainly. Well, Deadpool is interesting because up until the movie, he was eighty percent hated and twenty percent loved. Yeah, but he had fanatic that. people. He, there were he, he had fanatic f- supporters, but it was the minority. Now I, I he, he's probably more loved than he's ever been. I, but but I but but historically he's been a, a reviled character more than loved. I could postulate why, because he's one of the few characters at Marvel that currently his stories are very much. The tone of the Deadpool comics are very much old school. You don't get that from Marvel anymore. Mm-hmm. They're either long storylines with the the the, the right. uh, trademark Bendis banter, mm-hmm. and or or they're they're hollow. Where Deadpool comics, the people that write Deadpool, 
stories seem to have a, a genuine love for comics that right. that were not that are. Mm-hmm. So it, there is a nostalgia factor with Deadpool that, without being, you know, he's obviously not the shadow. Sure. So the the, the it's not old timey, but it just feels reminiscent of the stuff we used to get from Marvel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, before we move on, I just wanted to say one other thing about Barry Windsor Smith because. Mm-hmm. This is the last time Barry Windsor Smith would do work at Marvel. And that's true. Yeah. And for one of the guys that was phenomenal, uh, one could ask what happened to Barry Windsor Smith. Now we all know that he goes on to work at Valiant and he was yep. our first creative director first, and then yeah. the ultra right. But, but, but even those places, he doesn't stay around very long. He doesn't do a lot there. Um, and it's been nearly 20 years since he's done comics work. So well, I would love to know. the storyteller stuff? Well, other than, yeah, I guess that's, well, other than that, that's true. I don't, I forgot the timing on that, but I guess that does, it is a little more recent. But either way, though, it's been a while, it's been at least 10 years since we got yeah, any of that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but what I found interesting is that, um, in, in reading, rereading this, I, my question was to myself, what, what, what happened to Barry Windsor Smith? So I looked into it. Were you guys familiar with this whole monsters thing and how it started at Marvel? So, okay, so for for years now, Barry Windsor Smith has theoretically been working on an original graphic novel called Monsters. And if you go to his website, he's got preview pages and this sort of thing. But the history of it is fascinating. So he had written a story about the Incredible Hulk. And it was, in essence, a story that established Bruce as an abused child. And that that was the reason that he becomes the Hulk. That 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 the gamma radiation manifests in that way. Is so is that is is that before or after Peter David's run? Well before. Okay. Bill Mantlo takes the kernels of that story, which for some reason uh, went unpublished, okay. and works a little bit of that into the mythos. So Windsor Smith feels some kind of way about that, and that's part of the reason he leaves Marvel because he feels like for some reason he was jobbed there, not given credit. So he he takes that to Dark Horse and is going to take that same Hulk idea and change the character a bit into a Hulk-like creature. And they were going to put it up called Big Red. No, called Big Red. But Windsor Smith has some kind of, and I don't know the background here, maybe someone of our listeners know G does, he has a massive falling out with Mike Richardson at Dark Horse. So he takes his ball and goes home again, and he leaves Dark Horse without putting out the book. He then goes to D.C., where he renames it Monster, and he's going to put the book out in Vertigo. Only Levitz and Karen Berger say no to the version he wants to put out because it's so raucous. And it's funny to hear this now because I think we all look at Vertigo as this revolutionary place where Berger fostered adult comics that were profane and violent and didn't care about the comics code. But apparently he wanted to use words like the C word. Like yes, C-word. okay. See you next yeah. Tuesday. Exactly. And Karen Berger said, nope, not okay. Not okay. I have to draw a line somewhere. Yeah. So Which apparently is that this is the line we're drawing on this podcast, but yeah. I know, right? So he takes his ball and goes home again. It's not a nice Which line. leads him to Fanagraphics, where, as Vince noted, he puts out that storyteller 
adjunct book, which is really a X-Men story that he had wanted to retell that was involving Storm. And then at Fantagraphics, he was to put out Monsters now. Now it's called Monsters. And it had grown, meantime, from a 22-page single-issue story at Marvel to well over 300 pages. And fast forward to 10 years later, he still says it's coming out. He still claims to be working on it. There are preview pages available several places on the Internet, but there is no hide nor hair of solicit as to when and if this Monsters is coming out. And meantime, it has been well over a decade since he's done comics work and well over 20 years since he's done regular work at a major publisher. So it's fairly fascinating to me because Windsor Smith is an OG, uh, arguably was on his way to being a goat, one of the, a Rushmore-esque type of, a, of, a, of an artist. So uh, it's, it's, it's a really interesting departure. And I'm presuming since it's been 20 years, he makes his living in some other way. Um, I don't think the residuals from Weapon X are going to pay him enough for this. <laughs> but but I, I honestly would love to, I would love to know what he's been up to beyond this because much of monsters, as I understand it has been written and drawn for years. So it's crazy. Curious. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I want this book now. I know. No, I know. <laughs> and now the character looks like a Quasimodo type of a thing, like a, a, a merger between Quasimodo and a Hulk. Um, so yeah. So if any of our listeners know more about this or, if and when it's ever going to come out or what the holdups are, I would love to hear about it. Seriously. Well, um, the banter in the trades is that he's difficult to work with. One might conclude that after yeah. a yeah. <laughs> But still, one, one of the goats. Yes, so there you go, Weapon X. All right. The, uh, and, and going by the um, – what I enjoyed a lot is even if this was a black and white, if, if, if there was no color in the book, uh, Windsor Smith gives everybody because all everybody's caption boxes are different colors. It's pink, it's yellow, it's, and and even if they weren't colored, because everybody has a distinctive voice, you know when the professor's talking, you know when Cornelius is talking, you definitely know when Heinz is talking. Uh, all the caption boxes, you, you, if you read them, you, you're still going to know. Who's saying what? It 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 really is a a fantastic little story. If if you haven't read it, if you're if you're oh I'm so burned out all over it. It it's if you can if you have the time, definitely read this. Nice, truth. lots of truth. Truth, truth skills. Are we going to do business or are we going to another book? Uh, we maybe do the business. We're halfway through our our four topics, right? Yeah. Okay. You want me to jump in here or you want to do it? Okay. So, uh, and we will have something much tighter and shorter after this week, but we want to get this out here, make it official, all that sort of thing. Um, first of all, we've been doing this for nine years and we want to thank everybody for the nearly 500 weeks that y'all have decided to tolerate us and uh, for some reason find our cloyingly annoying repetitive voices uh, entertaining to your ears and we do genuinely appreciate that and want you all to know that and a lot of our friends that are creators and or podcasters have been for some time now using patreon uh in conjunction with their works for our listeners who don't know what patreon is it is a platform not unlike a kickstarter 
where you where you act as patrons for creative endeavors that uh, you enjoy. And I've supported some some patrons. They call you you become a patron, if you will. Um, and we've got a lot of friends, like I said, that that use Patreon and to some success. And we have in the we'll take you behind the curtain a bit. We have in our production meetings, Tihi. Uh, discussed whether or not it made sense to do things like take on uh, more broad type of advertisers. We've been offered, we've been, we've been fortunate in that, in that you all have given us a very large and influential audience. We appreciate that. And we have had opportunities to join different ad networks to have different sponsors that would frankly, you know, compensate us well and, Sort of thing, and we've genuinely, with a few exceptions, eschewed that because we've a always done this and continue to do it for the love of it because we we enjoy spending time with each other and talking about comics and stuff. Uh, and two, um, you know, we we never wanted it to become a thing where if we mixed uh, business and you start taking money from people, particular advertisers, it can get a little gray at sometimes. If you know, again, if you perhaps don't like something they do, so forth, so on. So we've always resisted it. Um, but Patreon seemed like a different thing because Patreon is a platform that allows people to support your work and thank you for your work, but with the, with two, two big differences. One, the ability for the creators, in this case ourselves, to offer things back in turn for that generosity, um, on top of what we already do. And, and two, it's a model that doesn't force us to in any way change what we're already doing. So long story long, after much debate, we did posit the idea of starting a Patreon for the show uh, in our Facebook group, where I would say we have hundred. Well, we have thousands. Of, God, we have almost we fifteen hundred very active and engaged listeners and members in that. And we we threw it out there and said, "We're thinking about this. What do you think?" Completely open ended. And and I, I don't want to speak for you guys, but I was overwhelmed with the enthusiasm that our Facebook group members had for the idea. Basically telling us they thought we were stupid for having not done this before. <laughs> um, so where we are today is this week, we are proud to say that we have launched a Patreon. And it can be found at Patreon, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com backslash 11 o'clock comics. The number's one one o'clock comics. And it's a platform, plain, plain and simple. And it allows you, if you so are interested, if you feel like thanking us for our work or... Um, whatever, for whatever reason, if you enjoy what we're doing and you feel like supporting it, this is a place to do so. That's different than say asking for donations or, you know, any other way, I guess that we could ask you to help out the show. And the thing I think we're all the most excited about is that it, it's, it's a cool way to do it because it's like Kickstarter and that we were able to create goals and rewards. And, um, we launched it, what, five days ago, I think, Right. Uh, yeah, Thursday, mm-hmm. Friday, Friday. Yeah, we launched it after, after we recorded last week's episode. And in, in a very humbling capacity, we can tell you that in the first less than a week as we speak, you all have been so generous as to we have reached our first three goals already. So the way it works is two things. There are goals, which are, uh, if, if X number of dollars are pledged, once we get to a certain level of total dollars, we have different goals that are rewards for all listeners and all members of the community. And then on the flip side, there are rewards, and those rewards are patron-specific. So if any given patron uh, provides a specific a number, you are entitled to a certain tier. So 
Uh, in terms of the goals, which again benefit everyone, um, in the first week we have hit our first goal, which was listener questions. So that means that from here forth, our patrons will be able to offer up questions to us through our Patreon site. And we will each week from here on out take a number of those questions as time permits and uh, answer them on the show and hopefully foster interesting discussion conversation. Our second goal was the book of the month. And what that is, as you might guess, is our patrons will be able to vote for us to discuss at length a book of their choosing each month. And we're still putting some framework around that as to the how and the wherefore and, and how you're going to vote. But in essence, we really want to leave it open-ended so that it is truly your choice. And then we will buy the book if we don't want to really own it, and we will read it and discuss it and give it the love and caress that you have become known, know us to do. The third goal, which I didn't think we'd reach for some time, frankly, but we reached it in a couple days, is the bonus episode, which we have gotten lots of requests for over the years. So as of now, thanks to the patrons that have contributed already, you all have gotten yourselves an extra episode. So at least once a month, we will provide another episode into the feed for everyone to listen to for free. And it's going to be a, a potpourri. It will sometimes be a thematic episode. It will maybe sometimes be a long-form interview or a roundtable discussion. But it will be a bonus episode on top of the weekly episode we always do. Um, now, our next goal, which we are a little more than halfway through, we're calling Hanging with the Dudes. And once we reach that goal, we will host a Google Hangout online to see our beautiful faces. And you will be able to sit and chat with us for an hour or two um, each month just about life, the universe, everything, comics, whatever you want to talk about. Um, now, on the reward side, that's where individually, as people contribute, they are entitled to certain things. And um, we've got a whole bunch, so I won't go through them all. You can go to patreon.com backslash 11 o'clock comics to see them. But um, a couple of them would be the EOC Familia, which is when you join that tier, you are added to our wall of appreciation, which our man Dap has so generously created on uh, on our website. You also get access to patron-only content, which uh, it's going to be – we're going to have lots of stuff we're going to throw in there. This week we threw in our reading list so that you can see what we're going to likely talk about on this show and upcoming shows in case you want to play along. Uh, we've thrown up a few debate topics in there, which uh, we thought were probably better debated uh, behind closed doors, if you will, at least at first. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're also going to be able to do things like vote for our book of the month uh, and other polls and, and Q&A that we're doing. We have the EOC Illuminati tier, which will uh, entitle you to a shout out on the show, but probably most exciting will give you a care package. So if you are an Illuminati for at least six months, we will send you a comic care package full of goodness. And uh, I can tell you, having spent the last month organizing my comics resign pile, even if Vince and David don't want to part with any of their paper, y'all are going to be in for some treats. There's lots and lots of stuff that I am more than happy to send your way. So that's pretty cool. We have, uh, in honor of Vince, the EOC New Gods tier. And what that is, if you join that tier, you will be able to pick a specialty episode. So just as we have, we're doing a theme episode this week, and we did a theme episode a few weeks ago, if you're a part of this tier or higher, you will be able to vote on a theme. And once a quarter, the winning vote getter will be our themed show. And we go up from there. In fact, there's even a tier 
that uh, if you go as far as that, it's it's the EOC sugar daddy, uh, you actually can become a guest and sit in the fourth chair for an episode. Uh, and, and someone is, Mr. Uh, Mr. Escada has been gracious enough to join that tier already. And uh, I guess is on his way to sitting in on an episode in a few months' time. So, again, we're not going to spend this much time talking about Patreon each week, but we did feel it wanted to explain it to you. We will mention it each show. And I think the other important takeaway, if we're not being clear here, is nothing about the show itself changes uh, except for the better. Uh, this show that you're listening to, which is free on iTunes and Stitcher and the like, will exist forever or at least until Vince gets tired of us. <laughs> it will be here every week for free under, no, under all circumstances. Not, that will never change. So I, we don't want anyone confused. You don't have to start paying to listen to the show. Everything, if you join Patreon and, and decide to give or not, this show and the Facebook group and all of that remain free, just as it's always been and always will be. So all what we're trying to do is, if you lots of you have said you've wanted to thank us or, or, or help us in some way, in the past, this is your opportunity to do so in a way that we thought was cool because at least we feel like we're actively giving you something back for the generosity. And that's the way we're going to approach it. And uh, so here on out, we'll, we will mention Patreon each week, like a little interstitial ad. We'll let you know what's going on, what tier we're reaching for, what goals we're at. And again, the goals will lead to additional content for the show. But beyond that, um, you know, there we have it. And again, we're bold over the first five days have been massively humbling to how much support we've gotten already. And we thank you all for that. And uh, that's that. I don't know if the other guys want to say anything. And I know I dap, I think part of our, again, part of one of the tiers is a shout out on the show um, because it's the first week. And because you all have been so gracious, we've gotten an enormous number of, of, of patrons right up front. And so normally in the future, once we've kind of hit steady stream, we figure we'll get a few new patrons each week and we will, we will shout you out this week rather than shout out all of you at once because it's frankly a lot of names, we're going to start by shouting out a handful of you, and then each subsequent week we'll shout out a handful, a handful of you until we catch up, rather than... We don't want to deluge everybody with 100-plus names the first week, because all, a lot of you that are listening probably would rather bludgeon yourself than hear us mention 100 <laughs> names all at once. So um, we're going to mention some this week, and we'll catch up as we go. But thank you all so much for the support we've gotten already, and we genuinely appreciate it, and I hope you all think that what we're doing is putting the capital... To good to good use, and you're, that you're all getting something, you know, as as good if not better in return for the effort. So thanks very much. I don't know if y'all have anything you want to add. I guess that's, I should rewrite my in your travels if they don't want to hear scads of names being uh, rattled off. I'm pretty sure for you they make the exception. Oh, yeah, I think they, they accept that. No, I. I, I anyone who has a history with not only this show but the stuff that David and I have done together know that I we have not taken every advantage we could have to um, get a little bit of gravy for doing this uh, in the past. It just didn't seem right. I'm just speaking for myself, but I'm sure right. I'm sure David will agree with me. And and, yes. and now Jason, we have traditionally. Um, gone with Discount Comic Book Service as our sponsor because we we believe in them. They provide a exceptional service, mm-hmm. and I I put would probably not be buying the amount of comics I'm buying now if they did not exist. Oh, absolutely. 
So right. that's why we use them. With, and with very few exceptions. There's, there's been a couple along the way. Uh, brief. But DCBS has been our number one and only. Uh, and the, uh, the hardware I use to produce this show is starting to get annoying. <laughs> Specifically the operating system and, and the, yeah. and, and the machine. So rest assured that we are not going to take uh, weeks in the Bahamas with this money. No. Uh, it, it will all, in some way, shape, or form, be funneled back into the show. I need a new machine. Um, the the Yeti microphones will never leave. They're just amazing. Mm-hmm. But, but the, the, the hardware needs to be upgraded. We can get pro versions of the software we use to produce this and and plugins and stuff like that it it's only going to make this show better right so uh i please consider it it it's it, i i don't want this to sound like the pbs telethon no that's right. we that's we, right. we run the risk of doing that but uh, you will help us to help you daddy daycare so <laughs> there we go <laughs> and uh y'all want to start reading these list of uh EOC well, presuming Cap doesn't have anything he wants to say before. Oh, damn it. <sighs> My bad. Well, no, I'm not going to. I don't want to ruin that now. I mean, that would just step all over Vince. No, no it, who it's cares? A, Do you, it's, you, um, you, you have comments. No, I think, you know, it, it's... I... We've we've heard what other people... We've heard what our listeners have said uh, in the past to us, either, you know, on Facebook, on Social media on uh, at conventions, you know, in person, and and there are things here that we would like to be able to do um, that we haven't been able to do, and uh, it it it's kind of, I guess it it it'll it feeds itself. It it's you know it everything that is going to make the show better, and and that's. That yes, we we're, we're doing what we've been doing, what we will continue to do. Um, but if we can, uh, if we can improve on it, if you want to call it that, if we if we can add more to it, um, sure to be dazzling things, then it it would definitely. <laughs> uh, I, I think, and and it, and again, you know, it, these are you're still going to get, like Jason said, you're still going to get the episode, you know, the bonus episode. If you don't care about whatever. You know, uh, an episode of outtakes or us just, you know, riffing for another half hour, whatever the extra episode might be. If you're not down with that, you don't have to download it. I just had a great idea. Save it. Save it. Um, you know, if, if you don't, there's, you, if you don't want to do anything, you don't have to. Nothing, absolutely nothing. That's it's right. going no, to change. No obligation. We don't want to um, feel obligated to do Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, we've had some people who were like, listen, you know, you guys have, have either told me about comics I never would have considered, I never would have looked at, or you guys have just entertained me for the past nine years. And, you know, if, if I can give back in any way, shape or form, then, then so, but, you know, and that's, and that's completely up to them. We sincerely appreciate it. If you're just cool downloading things, then, 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 yeah. No, have have at it. We're not. We're not. You know, n- nobody is saying anything one way or the other. And and but this will allow us to to do other perks. And and um, because of the generosity of other people, you'll be getting. Uh, you'll be able to benefit from that as well. So it's it's just. Um, it, it seems to I guess kind of be a natural progression. If if we it, we can't um, 
you know, you, you, if we don't try for it, then it's not, uh, then it's not going to happen. So let's, uh, let's see what we can do. Do y'all see that slack? I'm, I saw you typing. We need. No, don't read it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. No? Is that not a good idea? I like it. I like it a lot. I like right. it. Right? We'll, we'll work on that. But let's not, it's dead air right now to our listeners. They have no yes. idea. Yes. All right. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, uh, the EOC Illuminati, the Intelligentsia, good guys. Well, they're all good. But, but these are the guys that have reached this tier or, or this level of contribution. Jason, I think you should start this off. Because okay, you need to step up with this whole Patreon thing. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I've been slacking. Seriously. Well, and, and so this is what we're, again, we're not going to shout everyone here in the first episode. So we're going to start, uh, frankly, we're going to go from the top on down. Um, and so we've got a, we've got a fourth chair tier person, a sugar daddy, and that's Mr. Carlo Escada. So shout out to him. And then, uh, we've got a, uh, we've got an EOC bat phone, uh, accessor, which for this tier, if you back this tier, you get access to a dedicated Slack channel where you can chat with us like a bat phone anytime you want about comics. We'll give you advice on your love life, whatever. The dark <laughs> arts, it's all good. There are no rules there. And Mr. Christopher Burton is at that tier. We, we, we give him much thanks. We've got two gentlemen who are in for the, specialty episode so if they're the only two that become new gods they're gonna have to i guess have a a a, a duel scissors, yeah to, which to one's decide. orion which one's light ray i know i'm not sure how it's gonna go yeah, we yeah. need someone to break the tie but that would be misters eric figueroa and christopher Leiden. so kudos to y'all and then i'm gonna hit you with uh with with another few guys who are graciously uh joining the illuminati tier uh, and in no particular order other than the, the order I'm seeing here on my list. Uh, Mr. Jonathan O'Brien. Yes. Mr. Jonathan Rafferty. Mr. Eric Breyer. And Mr. Jay Sternitsky. Many of those gentlemen we will be seeing in a few weeks at Heroes, by the way. Mm-hmm. So a hat tip to you all, a shout out, and many, many thanks. It's very, very nice of you to have jumped onto the Patreon uh, so quickly. So I'll hand it off to you all. Dap. Uh, Mr. Peter Drummond, Mr. Christopher Hubble, uh, we have a John DeMarchi, a Alex, and I, and, and, is it Gombach? I think it's Gombach, yeah. All right. Uh, please let me know otherwise. Uh, David Milburn, and of course, <laughs> I have to, I, I, it wouldn't be right here. for you not to, yeah. Uh, none other than Mr. Stephen Water. Whoop, whoop. Look at that. Huge hugs, kisses, and a reach around to Brian Ellison, good old John O'Neill, mm-hmm. Chad Dixon, whoop, whoop. Vishal Rajani, nice. Zachary Davis, mm-hmm. and Ooh. some flatfoot weirdo <laughs> named uh, Zach Crusoe. Nice. See that, folks? Give us money, and we will insult you on air. That's right. Oh, that could yes. be here. I know, right? So, so <laughs> sincerely, guys. Though, I mean, in all in all sincerity, thank you to everyone that that's given, and, and there are a bunch more of you that have already too. And we will we will hit you up next week in the subsequent weeks, uh, so as not to 
go too crazy naming a bunch of y'all at once, but, uh, but, but much love and hopefully what we're providing extra makes, makes up, you know, make more than makes up for, for everybody. So much, much, much love. Yep. Now back to the themes. Yes. I can close the slack now. Yes. Yes. Are we going to hit your second one or are we going to bookend you? Um, I would like Dap to, to take us out with this episode because Oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, he so he, he really loves. What, I agree. So you hit us with your second. Then. Okay, I have read this title for the majority of my comic reading years. Yes, it, it, we all. It has always been a favorite. It initially, um, it was produced by my all-time favorite artist, written and drawn, by the way. And um, when this man took over the series, I had very high hopes. Because while I wasn't an X-Men fan, I, uh, in terms of the characters or the stories... Or, gonna hit on the X-Men I'm sorry. Or what, were going on, what was going on in that book, I was a fan of the art. Uh, worshipped this man for many years. Uh, this was written and illustrated by Mr. John Byrne. Oh, yeah. Color art by Glynis Ween. And the cover date was June 1984. Now, let's, let's, uh, preface whatever we're going to say with the fact that if you are working on the greatest comic magazine of all time, <laughs> it's kind of hard to top at this point in 1984, what has what had come before? When you got mm-hmm. a, a powerhouse team like Jack Kirby and Stan Lee uh, laying the, the foundation of the, the Baxter building, metaphorically, it, two of the all-time greats, it's kind of hard to eclipse or at least get, an, a, a, get noticed. But I think John Byrne, in this one issue... Managed to surprise, shock, repulse, sadden, amaze, and downright just entertain the reader in in one single issue. And I'm talking about Fantastic Four number 267. Yeah. Here's the setup for what was it, 10 issues prior to this? Um, I it was it, 251 through 256. Oh, okay. So it was like... Was seven, the negative seven, zone. Seven, six issues. Where our, um, our heroes are traipsing around in the negative zone. And one would think that Mr. Fantastic, being the big brain that he is, would have thought twice about allowing his pregnant wife into the negative zone. It's a place... Of mystery, it's a place where you know things don't operate. Uh, physics are are not what they are in our universe. Let's just put it that way. And because of her time in the negative zone, now um, Sue's initial pregnancy with with Franklin didn't go all that smoothly. No. What would have led them to believe that another one would be anything other, right? But so all the factors that that trickle into this difficult first pregnancy in the negative zone for an extended period of time, 
there are complications to Susan's second pregnancy. Radiation, uh, strange radiation from the negative zone has altered things with the fetus that, that give Reed concern, uh, not only Reed, but everyone. And so um, it's not looking too good for, for both the fetus or the baby and um, Sue. So what does Reed do? Well, he consults some experts. He, he, he wants a second and third and fourth opinion. And, mm-hmm. and, and the, the people that he consults are uh, Michael Morbius. Yes. Bruce Banner. Yes. And Walter Langowski. Yes. A.K.A. Sasuke. How apropos, by the way, Byrne choosing to do a... Right, well, yeah. But not, when, you, when you think about it, and, and he sets it up in this issue, that when they eventually suggest the person that whom Reed should uh, consult, Reed is aghast. He's like, what?! That man, no way, that man is a villain. He, he, he's, he's erratic, he's, he's deluded, he's, he's, he's not right in the head, he's done bad things. And Michael Morbius says, well, I've done bad things, and yet here I am. And yeah, Bruce, but... Bruce Banner says, well, I've done bad things. And even Walter Langowski has a bestial, Alter ego, and, and Reed just tries to. He just excuses all of that. He's like, "Well, no, see that you weren't under your right." No, no, no. I wasn't talking about you. No, you guys are cool. Yeah, you're fuzzy. Uh, <laughs> and 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 the man they suggest Reed consult is none other than Otto Octavius, Doctor Octopus. What with him being a, a specialist on on types of radioactivity, and and Reed's not having it, but they. Reed is a level-headed man. He will listen to reason. He he did the math and the extrapolation in his head, and he's like, okay, I, I, this could work. But uh, Otto is is not his former self. He he's incarcerated in a in a, a mental institution because of his time battling the spider. Spider Man has impacted Otto in a serious way where he he can't really make a decision for himself he's mousy he's introverted he he's he's basically ripe for manipulation he's just looking for for something and reed sees this and uh, i i love the way burn does it where reed goes in and talks to him and the doctor in residence says do you have any any um experience treating or, or dealing with, with patients of this type because you just unleashed a textbook example of how to reason with or, or how to talk to or reach a person with uh, Otto's problems, mental problems. And he's like, you know, that's Reed. He knows. And he manages to convince Otto to help him. And I, I love the scene where Byrne just has Otto stand up and he's like, no, uh, I'll help, and he hugs Reed, and he's crying. He's like, "You've you've given me purpose. You've alleviated all of the stuff that's been bearing down on me. I'm I'm a person. I'm not this thing that is sequestered in this room. I'm an actual physical being with a mind and feelings. And it's a touching scene, especially knowing all of the history of Otto 
and and Peter that uh, they've butted heads so many times in the past where that's the brilliance of this issue. It's a Fantastic Four story, but it also has ties to other areas of the Marvel Universe. So Burton, he was a smart cookie back then. What happened, I don't know. Um, so, so Reed takes Otto, and it just so happens that while Reed is transporting Otto to the hospital, two, two very important things happen. J. Jonah Jameson's <laughs> tendency to to smear the character of, mm-hmm. of our favorite uh, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, Otto sees a billboard mm-hmm. and, he, and he sees Spider-Man's face. Magnetic. And that's the trigger that uh, dredges up all those old feelings and they bubble to yep. the surface. They don't bubble to the surface. They shoot to the surface because in a matter of seconds, he goes from mousy, easily manipulated lapdog, so to speak, or very, very needy person with mental issues to the old, I will, you know, I'm, I'm Otto, I'm Dr. Octopus. I, I, I should be in charge here, but I'm going to, take you out. And and the second thing that's very fortuitous for Dr. Octopus is they are transporting his his arms from one place to another. And How convenient, by the way. Really. I know that's, you know, <laughs> I think Otto's a threat without the arms. I mean, okay. n- not as much, granted, but he, he, he could have done much more harm had he waited waited to get to sue, I mean, if he wanted to, he could have. Well, there's no, there's no telling what he could but have he's done. Not, he, well, get we'll my, table that for later. right. You know, get my arms with a scalpel to her her belly. Just it's, he's a he's he's a, a master schemer. So I'm sure he could have had some kind of out had he waited, but he didn't wait because here comes the arms, the arms bond. Uh, once again, with Otto, Reed gets to jump on him by diddling with the manual controls that are so conveniently exposed because he doesn't have his costume. And he says, okay, you got to believe me. I just need your help with this. Please, Otto. I'm going to take my hands away as a, as a uh, token of faith. Please hear me out. Help me out on this. Blah, blah, blah. And Reed does it. And they go to the hospital. And when they get there... The kicker that stunned me. Every time I read this, it, it yeah. stuns me. But my initial reading, jaw hit the floor. Imagine that. Uh, my 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 number one favorite um, female character of all time just lost her baby. Cray. Yeah, unheard of, unthinkable, right? Yeah, yeah. I I remember it like it was yesterday. The the fact that Byrne took that last page and put it in a thick black border. Yep, the last page. And and made the panel small. Mm -hmm. It just, Mm -hmm. it it, it emphasized just the punch. And and you have to, and Johnny, you know, is like, Johnny runs outside and you know, that can't be good. And then for Reed and Otto to show up and and to find out that it was it was a half hour ago, which is 
basically as long as Reed has been wrestling with Otto's arms. Um, it's man, this, this issue, when I read it, I, I couldn't chills. You know, I, I couldn't read anything else for a while afterwards. It, it was pretty much the, 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 the last issue I read. Um, if not the day, the, 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 then at least for a bit, because I, it's, there's, you expect things to happen in comic books with the characters, but I mean, this is, this is real world shit. This is, this is heavy. This is something that, that, that affects a lot of people and, and it's not, and to just have it in a comic book like this, um, you know, the backdrop, sure, it's, it's all, it's, it's all science fiction and fantasy, but, but it's it's still a real world problem, and and for Byrne to, to do this, and and it, it's just it really so close, yet you're just just barely within reach, and it it it, right. it hurt. And the most devastating thing that could ever happen to these characters, and it was not at the hands of a villain. I mean, they fought gods. Yeah. World devourers, uh, eternity, just gigantic cosmic beings that break the mind and manage to come out with less emotional damage than this one incident. It's, it's a crazy issue. And it happened to my girl. They were, I, the, the, there's so many with this issue. This is this is one of the first issues of it. It, it takes place while this issue is going on. We're we're still getting every month Secret Wars. So so the Fantastic Four with the original with, with the thing are on Battle World. But um, now that we're back on on Earth, She Hulk has taken Ben's place. On the team at, at his request, and Burn, you know, Burn, Burn just nails this. This is a specialty. Just, just having a character get you up to speed, and and it's just, it's, it's a shit ton of thought balloons. But it's still just like, it's like, you know, she is, she's telling you exactly why she's here, what's going on, who the people are. You're not getting hit with caption boxes. You're not having just some, some dry narrator. Not that's not tell, that person that. Words and boxes aren't telling you, are giving you the lay of the land. They're not setting the scene. Here's an actual character in the room, in the story, part of it, and and she's telling you exactly who all the players are, why everybody is here, and it's and and this is one of those things that you know this was this was Jim Shooter's thing. Every comic is going to be somebody's first, so we need to make sure that they know everything about everything as much as they can right from the beginning, and and burn. Knocks it out of the park. It, it's, yeah, I, it's I don't like the way he comes out of it though. She's thinking so hard. She's like, "Oh, wait, wait, wait! wait. Somebody's going to talk." <laughs> mm. There are there's there's a um, rereading this. One of the panels reminded me. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Wait, what's Reed saying? You're right. Yeah. Um, there are there's a panel when um, when Reed is is trying to. Uh, Get the upper hand, and and he reels Otto's arms back in, and then you just see Otto in the background, just trying to slam Reed's hands down, like you know, like having like a kid having a temper tantrum. But I remember 
freehand learning to draw. Not learning to draw, but I, I drew Reed's side profile from that middle panel so many times that that's, that's still pretty much how I draw a profile. And, and, and thank you, John Bird. So it, it's, it really is Burns Reed's Fantastic Four, Reed, Burns Fantastic Four issues drawing Reed that I kind of, um, tried to somewhat master how to, how, how to draw a head. Um, but this issue, man, this, this, and, and the whole, the whole setup, I mean, with, with, with all the, the Einsteins of the Marvel Universe in, in this one hospital and, and, and Reed picking apart everybody's brain to, to save his wife and this baby. Uh, it just, it just completely made sense. And it, this wasn't, you know, it, this is an issue where something heavy happened, but it's not like there was no event around it. There weren't, you know, there, there, there was nothing on the, mm-hmm. there's nothing on the cover letting you know that, you know, in this issue, everything changes and not a hoax, not a what. It's just, this was a day in the life of these characters. It was a really shitty day, but it's still, it, it's not like everything stopped in the Marvel universe so we could take a moment to, to see what's going on in the Fantastic Four. This was just another issue of the Fantastic Four and, and, you know, no fanfare, no, it, 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 it just, which was another thing, it, which is again, that's what happens in real life. You know, something happens to people. Not everybody's going to know. And, and, and it's just when, when it's, when it's subtle or, or unexpected or, or just a shock, it, it's, there, there's, like Vince said at the beginning, there's, there's, there's a lot of feelings. There's a lot of emotions that, that you can, a lot of things you can feel when reading this issue. Yeah. I think Ben got the shitty end of the stick, uh, in, in terms of, of being left out of the family. So he comes back from being Rocky Grimm Space Ranger. Not only does he find out that his, his, one of his loved ones has lost a child, he also finds out that one of his loved ones is sleeping with his girlfriend. Yeah, but it's not his loved one. Well. I know. He didn't know that at the time, and, and neither did anybody else because that's not what, that wasn't Burns' plan. So thanks, Tom DeFalco. Right. But anyway, but Jason, Jason hasn't said boo. He hasn't. So this was it was interesting. So I, I would say that uh, I remember this book, um, and it was shocking in particular back then because the idea of. Uh, a miscarriage in in superhero comics, right? I mean, that's crazy. It just didn't it didn't make sense, right? It was just it was baffling. In rereading it, of the four things we reread, I thought the this aged this didn't age as well as the other three for a couple reasons. One, um, and I'm not, I, I guess I, I feel less bad about what I'm about to say after you besmirch my man Wolverine. It's okay. <laughs> I could give two shits about Doc Ock. I've always not understood why he's a great villain. He's Damn. a big, fat, old, goofy dude. What a with bad metal arms. So I, I'm not feeling the idea of like Doc Ock being the big bad. Like it's, it does nothing for me. But since it is Fantastic Four and not Spidey, I give it some respect. Um, that's fucked up. Hey man, you just put my man Wolverine on blast. Um, 
I'm fascinated by the idea of the brain trust because then when Byrne was writing this, Lankowski, Morbius, and Banner, all logical choices. But if we were having this kind of story today, none of those guys, maybe Banner, maybe Banner, but none, but Lankowski and Morbius would not be in the short list of super brains that you would consult for this sort of thing. Who else would do you be, go for it, blood disorders though? Mm, yeah, but it, it wouldn't, I'm just saying, like, I think it would, today it would be guys like T'Challa's always included in these kind of things now. To, Tony's always included in these kind of things now. <laughs> I'm not saying whether it should be. I'm saying how it, how writers would opt for these of things. Of course they would, right. Yeah. Tony, T'Challa, uh, Peter Parker himself would be included in this now. He's always included. Um, I think you would have, um, you'd probably have Pym included sometimes. Yeah. Um, you'd have Amadeus Cho included. Right? You're probably, I'm saying. I mean, yeah, you're probably like, who, right. Yeah. Um, so that was interesting. Um, I had to laugh because we were just a few weeks ago talking about Burn, and lo and behold, the first page of this issue is classic Burn. In that, I look at all the figure drawings and I it gives me a stiffy, and then I fade back and there's zero background. Yep, you get a floor right? though. There's a lot of color in this. No, I'm saying, but it's like classic <laughs> Burn, right? Like it's it works. It like I don't as we talked about a few weeks ago. I don't. Like that's not a insane. because he knows what your eye is going to look yeah, for. Yeah, that's not he an insult for me. Not, like the yeah. lack of backgrounds is not a problem for me. That's classic burn, but it is cla- that first page is classic John Byrne. Mm-hmm. Like amazing figures that like iconic images of those characters read in particular that you would always think of, and then no backgrounds, and um, you had the the requisite '80s expository dialogue of the She Hulk narrating. And re- reminding us how she fucking had to get a blood transfusion from her cousin. <laughs> yes. And how she was an awesome lawyer and then she was an Avenger and now she's, and it's like, we didn't need to know any of that. <laughs> we did not need to have that done retold to us, but it's there because it's 80s comics. Um, and it's, you know, it's interesting that you choose this one because I wanted to ask you, you love Susie. I do. So presumably you chose this issue because by theme, this forever changes Sue. But like there are subsequent issues that are the fallout of this that I think have a more profound, like Sue's not even really in this story. Like she's, she's on her deathbed or on her in a sick bed for a minute, hold, you know, with a poorly drawn hand over her face. Um, (laughs) But like, oh we don't really God. see her. It's we don't really a... see her, right? One, it's not a poorly drawn hand. It's terrible. It's the worst hand burn ever drew. No, it's not. Um, the, the reason why I chose this one is because Sue doesn't really need to be in this issue. Sure. And uh, loss of a child is is a terrible, terrible thing for anyone. Mm-hmm. I'm not not just a you know a superhero, but the fact that. I do care for Susie so much. Right. Made, made this like if this was Wonder Woman or or say Scarlet Witch or you know keep it in the Marvel wheelhouse. Yeah, it would it would have been a very a very powerful issue. But this is Susie. This is the mother mm-hmm. of the Marvel universe. So she's at the top, and and all other characters uh, are you know f- fall where they may for me. 
Yeah. And that that's why at the time and still it was it's it's a devastating issue because I can empathize, I can to a certain extent. It it, it just pulls at the heartstrings for me. Right. Right. And then you get the fallout from this. I I was hoping that you weren't going to say malice. <laughs> malice oh, malice is Butler, I mean. you know that the malice came out of this. Yeah. Um, and of course, we, we we mentioned this at the uh, that the head of the episode. This story has since been retconned or or revised, thanks to Franklin and his magic. I can do anything I want powers, where he he saves the child, and the child eventually becomes Valeria. Valeria, yeah, yeah. So I think Valeria is a cool character, but. I would have rather that this story stood on its own. Mm-hmm. She, she could have gotten pre- pregnant a third time. They didn't have to go back yeah. and, and undo this. Yeah. No, I and and not. I don't want to jump off of this since we're, if we still have more to say about it. But bringing up malice does segue nicely into tipping our cap to Mr. Rich Buckler, who passed away. Yes. Who was the artist for that that malice? arc and uh we had the pleasure of meeting rich a few times at the shows uh rich was a a salty character if we're being honest in his later years but he did pass away and he was certainly a guy who uh gave us a lot of very entertaining comics work for a long time powerful oh, yes. yeah powerful yeah. body of work for for many many years buckler yeah. was omnipresent at Marvel, you couldn't. It seemed like you couldn't pick up a Marvel book without seeing Rich Buckler. No, for sure. Yeah, for sure. and he he made a, a tremendous impact on me. I've I've always really loved his work a, yeah. a, a lot. And actually, now that I think about it, since strange segue, but uh, you know, the mind makes weird connections. Um, to whatever extent this matters in the grand scheme of things, I think we all offer our thoughts and condolences to uh, Zack Schneider and his wife for the loss of their daughter. Yes. That's, you know, again, as you said, Vince, like this story is powerful. And, and it, you know, when I read this the first time I was needless to say as neither, none of us were, were I was not a parent at the time. Um, Now as a, as a parent, you're right there, there, there is literally nothing I can think of that would be more heartbreaking or difficult to come back from than the loss of a child. And, uh, you know, that's a, a fucked up situation. You then. don't even want to think about it. No, it's, it's one of those. So. It's it's one of the very few things in life where the contingencies you may conceive, yeah. none of them work. Yeah, and, and I, I I seriously doubt. <laughs> I would be floored if Zack Snyder had any interest in our show. So I doubt that that matters in the grand scheme. But but it is worth mentioning because Dan, that's a that is a fucked up situation. So it is. Yeah. yeah. Not to bring us down, but kind no, of tied it together to the well, co- to the topic at hand. It, so. it is. This is not yeah. a lighthearted, feel good issue. It's a terrible, mm-hmm. terrible uh, resolution. But it's again when the Fantastic Four started the 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 thing that set it apart, pun intended, from all of the other superhero comics on the market was they were a family that bickered, and it, there were there were real world. Issues and problems, and mm-hmm. and and the dialogue was was very real world. Yes, that's why this issue is very much in keeping with what 
Jack and Stan did right. was because it's the same modus operandi. And this is when Johnny's with Alicia, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, no. It's, he's, he's, they're going to be together. It oh, this is when he's laying the groundwork? Yeah, pretty much. Because, because the she, thing is still on, um, on, right. on Secret Wars World or whatever it is? Yeah. Right. Yeah, he's traipsing around fighting the Frankenstein monster. Right. Living mummy and all that. Mm-hmm. I love that run, the thing. I, I think it's a it's a great run. It's fun. Oh, it's fun. It's yeah. Fun. And the whole wrestling thing is just, it's just silly, good, fun comics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, right. I had to, if I had to rank these four stories in terms of what I remembered, just I, and I, I remembered them all, but I mean in terms of rereading them, how much of the detail I remembered, this was the one I remembered the least. Huh, really? I remember the last page. I remember the reveal, but I didn't remember the the interworkings of the Reed versus Ock and all of that. Yeah. I you know. think I probably remembered this one the most. Interesting. Okay. And then in the in For the me, next... it was Cravens I remembered the most. Oh. Okay. Probably because it was the most recent as well. Right. And then the in two sixty eight you know, Otto and, and the Hulk appears and it's just it's it's pretty standard stuff. Mm-hmm. But this one, this one's a cut above. Mm-hmm. Well, what's great about the follow-up is, um, is it, it is immediately after uh, the news from this issue, and and you have um, and the family is around the bed, and of course, She-Hulk is telling the story to us again, and and about how you know she Thanks, isn't Jim. really part of the family, and you know I shouldn't really be here, and blah blah blah. What was me? But um, all the scientists are outside, and um, Banner makes a comment, but, you know, Otto takes it the wrong way because he's touched, and he's just, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he, he's, you know, oh, so I'm the scapegoat, I'm the reason, you know, that this child is dead, and blah, 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 it didn't take long for all that, and, and Reed just is like, no, you're going back to where... I picked you up from. He's like, well, why would I do that? And, and he's just like, and Reed is just like, and, and, and Reed says it again. And burn the writer says how, you know, how it, it's, it's a calm and, and, and curt voice, but it, it, it cuts right to Octavius and, and he has no, no other choice, but to just, Acquiescing. Oh yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll go back. That's and and it's just and you know, he's dealing with some shit. It's like this isn't the time to show your ass and and, and try to pick a fight. So um, yeah. it was it, it was it was a it was a subtle continuation. It it didn't it doesn't take away from from the pain or the effects from the previous issue, but it um, at least it didn't. They didn't just you know. Shrug and go. Okay, well, you know, Fantastic Four minus Sue. She's still in the hospital or at the Baxter building, and then you know, all the other scientists went away. It, it, it Burn was still telling the story because you, it, you can't just. Yeah, I mean, you could read a comic today, and the next issue doesn't have to take pick up right where the previous one left. You can kind of your mind can fill in the blanks. Okay, well, I guess everybody went home, but. Burns going to make sure you know exactly where all the players were and 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 where we're putting them back because someone else might need to use them and I got to make sure you know they get along home. So uh, it was, um, yeah, it was. I I'm, I'm 
not surprised Vince picked this issue, but it's um it doesn't make it any easier to uh right. to read. And because of this, it just made me think of Dr. Octopus. Remember all the years where he was frozen in fear? Anytime someone would even mention Spider-Man, he would just lock up yeah. and, and shut down. And that I think that's that arc, uh, wherever it appeared, just that, that trend in the character of Otto Octavius, all that was self-inflicted because – Spider-Man is not Batman. Like, if you're a villain and you go into battle with Batman, you know you're going to get your ass kicked. Like, right. he, he is going to beat the living shit out of you. But Spider-Man just wants to stop you. There was no excessive force with Spider-Man. And a lot of times, if he could incapacitate you with just the webs, he would do it. He didn't relish the thought of of pounding the, you into a pulp. Where so, so it makes you wonder, like, why was he so afraid of Spider-Man, what what was going on in that twisted, damaged brain that drew you know jumped from Spider-Man equals pain? It, it just doesn't register because he doesn't have a history of of, of violence like uber violence. So it, it was mostly self-inflicted, which is fascinating, right? Yeah. That that mm-hmm. he would equate failure with fear. Like, oh, here he is. He's going to shut me down again. And just he's that's not Peter Parker. That's not Spider-Man. He doesn't do things like that. But Otto conjured up that kind of he that's the the painting he he created for for Spider-Man. It just doesn't doesn't work. It's it's nuts. But I think that goes without saying. So. Let, let's let's go to David because he's gonna relish this hot dog. <laughs> I don't know about <laughs> so, all that. So stupid. Uh, this this little ditty is uh, originally appeared across the three Spider-Man titles. There were only three titles at the time. Uh, what was Spider-Man thirty-one? Amazing Spider-Man two ninety-three. Spectacular Spider-Man 131, Web Spider-Man 32, Amazing Spider-Man 294, and Spectacular Spider-Man 132. Uh, originally titled, or however you want to preface it, because if you say the name that everybody knows, it kind of gives away the ending. But it's Fearful Symmetry by James DeMatteis and Mike Zek and Bob McCloud, also known as Craven's Last Hunt. Um... And Spider-Man before Todd McFarlane doodled his way into our hearts. So the, um, basically, Craven is, uh, um, kind of, uh, putting his affairs in order. There's, uh, there's, there's, there's something he needs to do. Um, and, it's very, it's, even though it's six issues, it's, there, there are very few players in this story. Um, there aren't too many extras or things that kind of, um, get away from us or, 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 or make us lose focus. I mean, there, there, there are a couple of things that pop up that made the track, but overall, it's, um, it's a pretty, 
somewhat tight story. It's, it's, it's more or less, you know, everything you need is, is in these six issues. You, you don't need to know much beyond that. And, and, uh, this is one of those stories where an actual, um, death actually pretty much stuck. Um, mm-hmm. the, uh, uh, even though they've tried to tease some things here and there over the years, uh, and his daughter has shown up, but, uh, Craven is, is just trying to, um, he, he needs to defeat the spider. That's, that's what he has to do. Doesn't necessarily mean kill the spider. He just needs to defeat him. And, and he does for about two weeks. And, and, uh, it's a hell of a two weeks. It's, it's, we don't really get enough of Mary Jane being distraught during these two weeks. We see her go looking for Peter basically maybe one night and then another night she goes to see Robbie. But other than that, you know, she's, maybe she's just partying because we know how she is. So she's just, she's, she's, Looking for she's dick. controlling herself <laughs> when she goes out, laugh at some other dude. So um, Craven shoots, and and the way David Hayes really kind of um, packages the the he he, he kind of he, he knows what he's doing as far as telling this story goes, and I love the that the, there are no um, we're not getting any any thought balloons. We're not getting uh, we're we're getting a lot of caption boxes, the, the Dark Knight Returns, your one style Watchmen caption boxes where, uh, you, you'd know, that's how you'd know, that's how you know what the character is thinking. But because of that, he's able to use parentheses or, or different, um, slightly darker shades of caption boxes because as, as Spider-Man is thinking something, he is, as we as people tend to do, um, kind of have a another sharp thought happen while he's thinking that. So he's got just two thoughts happening at the same time, but you're you're able to see what it like. I should go down this way. No, don't go down this way. You're 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 scared. I should go down this way. No, that'll kill you. And and it's just it's I I it, it just reinforces the 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 dread or the suspense that you're supposed to be feeling. Um, so Craven captures, well, Craven basically he hunts, hunts Spider-Man. We, we end one issue with, um, with Craven, uh, with a rifle at Spider-Man, pointed at Spider-Man, pulls the trigger, and then we see, uh, the, um, there was a, a grave dug throughout the issue uh spider-man is put in the coffin and buried and that's the end of the first chapter in this chapter um spider-man visits a uh a, a makeshift memorial um for some some snitch some ci some 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 street rat that uh has helped Spider-Man over the years, so um, you know, Spidey just wants to make sure this guy gets gets a decent burial, um, and and you know you see actually, and but it but Spidey seems a little bit more intense, like 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 one one doofus is going to you know pull a gun out, and you know he his rep's going to be made. I'm gonna I'm the guy who's going to take out Spider-Man, and and obviously you know Spidey just turns around real quick, 
And he's like, you know, don't even, fl-. and it's, it, you don't normally see, at least in the issues leading up to this, I, I, I don't recall Spider-Man. And this is, this is the, this isn't the alien black costume, but this is, this is black costume Spidey. And, and I never got that, that sense of, you know, this, this brooding, just mean Spider-Man. And, and it, it fits in this story because of what Demetrius is, is trying to do. Um, the art by Zach and, and McLeod is, uh, it's, it, it really does Fit this wouldn't have, have. I don't think this would have worked as well if you had the usual Spider-Man artists on these titles at the time. Um, but it is a. It, it's after Spidey's buried and Craven dresses up as Spider-Man, uh, and for the most part, he's kind of helping people. He's he, he's stopping. Uh, rapists and and uh drug dealers but uh he goes a little too extreme and and uh he's almost he goes too far in one case which now leads the police to believe that spider-man is a uh is a murderer and uh of course while the real spider-man is buried all this is going on but we also now have vermin brought into the story and uh and this is one of those things where i think you lose a little bit because they 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 do they do they don't focus a ton but every time we see vermin at the beginning uh we're reminded that it wasn't just spider-man but also captain america right exactly down and uh and and there's something you know vermin has an issue with both spidey and captain america um and then of course we also get an appearance, more or less, by Ned Leeds, who, to the average person, they don't care. They're not, they, they don't know who the hell Ned Leeds is. Uh, but for those who don't, uh, he was a, I'll say a, he was a hobgoblin and, and, uh, and he was actually killed. He was murdered, uh, in the, Spider-Man versus Wolverine one shot by Owsley and Bright. And that, um, and that, that, that was a little, uh, that could have been my pick actually, as far as things that, uh, life changing, but it, it's a, um, so, so Ned Lee, because of, uh, turns out that the rifle that Craven had, uh, didn't have an actual, Honest to God, bullet. Spider-Man was drugged, and and so for two weeks he was buried. Um, and before he comes to, uh, or basically breaks out of the uh, the grave, he um, he has a dream, and and he sees Ned. Uh, so they're having a short conversation. But overall, I mean, this this when when Spidey breaks out of the grave, um, confronts Craven uh, and Vermin. Uh, it, it's, there was just, this was one of those stories where uh, every cover, the six parts were, were striking. Um, the, uh, the, the feeling I got uh, reading, rereading it now, cause I haven't read it in a few years, but, uh, there were some things, like I said, that just seemed a little, um, not as tight 
as I remember. And and this isn't a case of, oh, you can't go home again. It's just, um, I think it's just one of those things where it, my memory thought it was a little tighter than it was. It, it's still a very strong, uh, I'll say it's a very strong story. It, it's a, um, it, it ends with, uh, with Craven and Spider-Man, uh, They, they kind of, they, they do fight and, and when, uh, when all is said and done, you know, Craven kind of just, he doesn't give up, but he, it's almost like he surrenders and, and, and he tells, you know, he tells Spider-Man, go on, you know, go, go after Vermin because, because Vermin gets free. Uh, and he says, you know, we're never, we're, we're done. You know, I, I, I wanted to defeat you. I did. Um, basically we're good. You know, you do you. Um, but we're we're probably never going to talk again, and uh, so Spidey leaves Craven to go after Vermin. Um, but he's not quite sure what exactly has gone on in the past two weeks while he's been out of it. Uh, he does know that Craven took two weeks of his life, and of course makes which leads Peter to think of Mary Jane and and, and how worried she must be. Um, but he uh, once we um. Once they part ways and, and after he, he deals with, uh, with Vermin, he even really doesn't go back to, uh, to see Craven. He, he just goes right home to Mary Jane. Um, and that's when we cut to, um, we, we, we do know that Craven commits suicide and, uh, and, and the series, the, the, the story ends with, um, with Craven getting buried and uh and a rat and a spider uh getting dirt tossed on them as uh as they're covering the uh the coffin. But it's um yeah, it's it's I don't know if it's a top five Spider Man story, but I it's it's still well, easily. a story where um it's there are uh Yes, the, the, the ramifications, things actually happen. Uh, but it's a, um, it's, yeah, no, I, I, no, I, I, I'd, I'd agree with Jason. No, it, it is. It's, it's a, um, it really, it's weird. It, it's not a, a, a traditional Spider-Man story. Like, oh, you know, just when, when you want to run off a few of your, your, your favorite Spider-Man stories, I don't quite know. It, it, it really is one of those things where, what are you in the mood for? You know, are, are, if if you're if you want a mm-hmm. traditional happy-go-lucky Spidey, then then there are countless stories to choose from. But if if, if you want that 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 dark and and brooding and an actual serious Spider-Man story, but it it really it's not a, it's not a Spider-Man story. It's a Craven story because even Spidey, while he's in it, he's he's a supporting character. Mary Jane's a supporting character. Robbie shows up for two pages. It's just it. It's it's mostly a Craven story. So if you want the definitive Craven story, this is the one to read. But I I, I picked this one because again, like I said, it, it's it was the theme, but I hadn't read this in years, and and uh, it is one of those things where I just I wanted to see if it if it held up and and how much of it I remembered. I, I did remember quite a bit. But there were some things where I thought 
there were some holes and, and I wasn't sure if I remembered the holes or if the holes were actually there and they seemed to actually be there. Interesting. So I would say to your point about whether or not this is up there in the greatest, I think it definitely is by in terms of the masses. Um, the site that should not be named did a top 50 Spider-Man stories of all time a few years ago. And this was number one. Wow. Uh, complex, which uh, is up huge. Complex is never met a list they didn't like to do. Uh, uh, did a list of their top 25 Spidey stories uh, a few years back, and Craven's was fifth. Uh, so certainly in the in the pantheon there. Uh, Ranker, which is a user generated thing where people vote up or down on lists to curate them, um, has Craven's. Hold on. Has Craven second behind the night when Stacy died? So I don't think there's much debate that it's considered one of the greatest Spider-Man stories of all time. Um, man, this was a fun one to reread because I found a lot of notes, like MS3 2K type of notes. Wow! Yeah, man. Nice. Well, first of all, you 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 can't you know you did me right when you were giving me a Mike Zach story to reread. That is true. Because that's my dog. That's my homie. Right, Vince? Truth. Exactly. <laughs> Couple thoughts, Dap. Uh-huh. Because, I mean, you did a great over- overview, so I don't need to rehash. But uh, I know it's comics, and I know a lot of suspension to disbelief. We are talking about a guy that has the powers of a spider, after all. But where in the fuck did Craven get a pit full of spiders like that? Right? How does one get a, like... That would not be easy, right? He hunted them. Hunted? Yeah, he's a hunter. It would have taken him ten years. Doesn't matter. Visually, it was, there are I millions. Love that page. There are more spiders in there than there are gold doubloons in Scrooge McDuck's vault. Seeing how closely sh- this issue ties in with the Swamp Thing issue. It's true. Uh, uh, next observation: No way MJ is using a Manolo to kill a rat. <laughs> Never happened. <laughs> Under no circumstances that oh. ever happening. Speaking of that, observation number three. Pete and MJ get married. Pete, struggling part-time photographer for the Daily Bugle. Yep. MJ, world-renowned supermodel. Why in the fuck are they moving into his place his and place. not him moving into hers? Because he's got the skylight. He's got to leave. Come on, son. He's got Come on. Skylight. It's just it's she's making that she's making that just a bunch of money. <laughs> Makes no sense. She's so weird. <laughs> so weird. Point number four. Point number four. How's dude wearing tennis gear and nut huggers really gonna be a hooligan on the street? <laughs> yes, I know. I saw that. I was dying. I was like, who's who she who's supposed to be threatened by him? He looked like Which, he was rolling straight out of the country club and decided to <laughs> act like a, a fool. With his knee eyes. Crazy. Shit. Um point number five. Oh, there's more. Oh my god, it's Vince, man. I'm having some fun with this damn dick. Jesus. If Peter comes out of the grave wearing his costume, uh-huh. How in the fuck is Craven wearing it, too? Oh, Craven's got his own. He's got his own. Because actually, I want to know if Craven's is actually enhanced because he's he's grabbing onto walls and shit. And I, I, I know. Get, 
I get it. You know, he's practiced and, and he's, he's, he's intense and he's in the zone. But is this an enhanced suit that lets him do Spider-Man type shit? Now, that ties into something I want to say about this. Okay. Wait, I'm not done my points. All right, go ahead. Second. You can, you can uh, go. Thank you. Go. <laughs> point, <laughs> point number six. I know this was not the only time this was done at this part of the Spider-Man uh, lore, but it's so hard now to look back on that, knowing that that's the symbiote, and see him having uh, being a three-piece costume, like pulling on the pants, pulling on the t-shirt, pulling on uh-huh. the, the mask. That that was that didn't age well. Uh, loved the idea, and you already brought this up, but I wanted to reemphasize. Loved the idea after all of the travails we go through through this arc. That Craven's like, Nah, dude, I'm letting you go. You're a good guy. <laughs> no, I love that though. I, I thought know, that was cool. It speaks to how Craven has his own code. Yep, I did what I needed to do. It's a code that works for him, and he believes yes. in it. Um. I thought that the idea of him committing suicide. Now I remember it being shocking when I read it because we didn't see this much, if ever, in comics. I guess I'm wondering if you guys remember. I feel like, given the time we're talking about, which is what late is this late? Was like eighty eighty-seven? What was eighty-seven? We didn't see suicide depicted in anything, right? I mean, and I don't mean just comics. I'm saying I don't think we saw suicide depicted in TV. I mean, this just was a, that was still a taboo subject, yeah? I don't know if it was, well, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't something that, I mean, maybe like in, in a, in a Titans issue with, with, with some drug kid, but other than that, no, I wouldn't have, yeah, I know Vince is chuckling. Drug kid. You know, I'll, you know what? I, drug kid. Craven commits suicide in chapter five, and we right. still have the whole of chapter six to go to to finish the story with where, where it's Spidey versus Vermin. Right. And but uh, yeah, I, I forgot about that part. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, big picture, I think the best. I mean, the the most endearing part of this, uh, and the accomplishment that that that, that Mateus should be. The book's about fear, right? In lots of different levels. You got the the fear of losing someone you love, the fear of dying yourself. You've got vermin having the fear of the surface, the fear of Spider Man. You've got uh, the recurrent fear of failure from Craven and from Spidey. So I, I dug that. I thought that that was interesting that he played with lots of different types of fears uh, layered on top of one another. And, and then the last thing I wanted to throw in here, and you mentioned that they set up that vermin was last seen in this fighting Spider-Man and Cap. So that's supposed to establish to us that Vermin is not a force to be reckoned with. I think in rereading this, it was wonderful to reread and I think it's a great story, well executed. I have nothing bad to say about it. But I think if there was a nitpick for me now, it's that I don't think Vermin ages well as a serious threat. I think if you're reading this today and you don't know that backstory of Vermin, he doesn't come off anywhere near as imposing or important to Spider-Man because I think Spider-Man, as we've debated many times, has one of the best, if not the best, rogues galleries in comics. Uh, he certainly was right up there with Batman and The Flash. So whether he's one, two, or three, he's up there. And um, well, and Batman, I guess. But you know what I'm saying. Like he's, one, he's one of the top guys. So to me, Vermin doesn't age well in, in terms of this being a classic story. 
as this villain that he has to fight and go head to head with. I, I, it would seem to me that, that based on what we see of Vermin just in the story, he wouldn't have been too hard for Peter to take out. The only reason we're left to believe that it's supposed to be a big deal is because of the exposition that says the last time they fought, he barely was able to beat him with Cap's help. So if I didn't nitpick, it would just be I wish when I look back in the story, the villain was a more classic, substantive Spider-Man villain. Right. Because even Spidey even mentions, you know, Zemo is who made him this. And we never it's not like Zemo's ever in the story. So it's just one of those things where if you're just reading this as, you know, here, go ahead, read, read, read this cool Spider-Man story, then that there may be some more questions that the reader might have. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I thought this was this was great to reread. And, and I, I think one of the things that all of these four stories have in common are that they do something at the time that they did them was distinctive in comics. Um, I think many of them have been done sometimes to death at this point, as with the Wolverine situation. But um, but when these things were written, these were unique, distinctive things that we didn't see in superhero comics very often. So. Yeah. What you got, Vince? At the time when this uh, was initially being released, it was almost beyond the realm of comprehension that the same creative team would jump from amazing to Peter Parker to web <laughs> and yeah. tell and tell the same story and we got this six issue story in monthly oh that's I, a good point yeah, yeah. Ju- couldn't even fathom it that I was like how did this who were guy- doing the bo- who were doing those books then at the time do you remember uh well it was, Alex um, Saviok on web I know I know that for sure well, yeah because yeah because yeah, then he ended up changing up when um when McFarlane came on was it Buckler on Spectacular? Ooh. So this is right it before could have been Sal. McFarlane? This, this is this is right before McFarlane. Damn. Yeah, so it could have been Sal on Peter Parker. Sal Basima. Yeah, I think so, right. Uh let's see. So one thirty one of Spectacular Spider Man one thirty was drawn by Jim Fern. Oh. Uh but one Thirty-three, Sidney Martin. So, so Spectacular Spider-Man was the fill-in book, and the uh, keep going, Vince. I'll, I'll find it. Uh, I think you said it's about fear, Jason. Yes, I think it's about loss because it's in, initially it's grounded in loss. Peter is all broken up over the death of Ned Leeds, which is compounded by the death of, what, what was his name, Joey Face? The, the, Joey Face, yeah. The, mm-hmm. the, the snitch. And just to get into the, the symmetry, it, it starts with the uh, Craven doing his little thing, and then you see the casket that he has prepared, and then it, it immediately cuts to Peter going to the bar and there's another casket. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just, there's mirror images uh, or instances in this whole run. Um, right. But, uh, so so Peter is the loss of, of these people that were somehow important to him. But Craven, the thing that, that Craven lost, he, he lost his entire world 
the world has moved on. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, his country, he lost that. He lost the values that he held dear. Um, his and, invincibility, and, and, his self-respect. Yeah, and he, he projected that on the entire world. So he has nothing mm-hmm. to live for save this one little hurrah before he he's committed to killing himself right. whether or not he beat Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't you love how he just finds peace in it all at the mm-hmm. end? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's right? calm. He's like, yeah. He man. wins. He's like, hey, I beat you. You're a good dude. I'm going to let you go do your thing. Not only did he beat him, but more importantly, he became him. That's yeah. why I love the scene where he, he is bathing in spiders and he picks them up by the fistful and he starts eating them as yeah. as if to – like, The harbinger we, of the spider totem years later. Yeah, but it's like we were talking about in Swamp Thing. He In eating the spiders – he gains, <laughs> he gains their powers, right? And and that's what I wanted to say. There's a supernatural aspect to this. I don't think the fact that Craven was sticking to walls was overlooked by the creative team. I think in beating Peter and taking away the spider in in consuming him, he gained to a certain extent the spider's powers. There's a really strong supernatural aspect in this series. There's things that when 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 Craven is bathing in the spiders and he's chewing on them and he's eating them, Peter feels something. He wakes up. He's like, "What the what the hell?" Like I just feel like somebody walked over my grave. I can't even breathe. And how do you explain that? How do you explain one character at one location doing something that impacts another character somewhere else and he feels it? It, it, it it's beyond the norm. It's paranormal. It's supernatural. No? No, I agree. I hear it. Yeah. And and again with the symmetry, the, the, the grave that we see seeing being dug initially is for Peter and then towards the end it's for Craven. It's just like there's a lot of bookends in this in this thing. But the the thing that kinda surprised me was I'm on Jason's side, Vermin. Like Thank you. Even back Thank then, you. is it what? Oh yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, what was it? Uh, an issue of Marvel Team Up where Cap and Spidey went up against Vermin. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember the, the exact book that it, that happened in, but to say that Peter can't beat essentially a cannibal werewolf. Yeah, no, makes it's sense. it's it's silly, but you, you f- suspend disbelief for the sake of the story. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I, I I just think it's a really great piece of work. It is. It is. It's of the four we. You guys picked good ones. That's all to say. I, I, I loved, I loved re- rereading the swamp thing, and I loved rereading this. I, I, I had re, again, I remembered them both, but I, I had forgotten how good they were yeah. from a craftsmanship perspective. Yeah, I still think the rat and the spider are heavy-handed, especially the last scene with them in it, where, where they dump <laughs> okay. the, yeah, they they dump the dirt on the on the rat. Okay, Peter and. And and vermin have had some 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 nastiness thrown their way, and now they're you know they're going to succumb to it. But even the 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 scene where Craven is is ripping apart all his taxidermied animals, mm-hmm. you see them again in in the series, and and Peter like tosses them around. So it's it's a, it's a yeah. neat neat little tit for tat, um, complimentary concepts thing. It's it's a great and Zach's art, like David and Jason said, he's amazing. Uh, My man, the showpiece is Craven. 
You mm-hmm. you would it looks oh, yeah. it looks like Craven was plucked out of G.I. Joe. Out of his run of, of G.I. Oh definitely. Yeah. He's Dr. Mindbender's cousin. Yeah, he's bulky AF. He's just AF. very imposing. He is. Yeah. So there you go. Anything else we wanna say about this uh Craven's Last Hunt or Fearful Symmetry before we uh bring this uh special episode to a close? No, but I have to say, I hope our listeners enjoyed our theme episode because I know we've had quite a lot of fun doing these theme joints the last uh, couple times over the last month. Me too. Me too. Yes. Been a blast. Yeah. As always, hey, this show has been sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, where you can get your comics, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door for a fraction of the cover price. What is better? Remember, from Boom, Clive Barker, Hellraiser, Omnibus, Trade Paperback, Volume 1 will cost you a paltry $19.99. From Image, it's low, Deluxe Hardcover, Volume 1, $24.99. And Titan Comics with Mandrake the Magician, the Fred Fredericks Dailies Hardcover, Volume 1, $27.49. Should I mention the the Patreon? Just uh, thank you to everyone who has... Uh, uh, yes, I would say our this yes. show has also been sponsored by amazing patrons, such amazing. as the ones that we already named and that uh, we look forward to proudly naming in the uh, upcoming episodes. Training wheels on this whole new sponsor sure. thing. So, uh, and they yes. can find that at patreon.com backslash 11 o'clock comics. One more time for the hearing impaired. Patreon.com backslash 11 o'clock comics. Okay, in your travels, I got a great one. This tickles every one of my fancies in spots that mm-hmm. I didn't even know that I had. It's related to the pulps. It's related. Oh it's related to Edgar Rice Burroughs, one oh of boy. one of my all-time favorites. It was written, conceived by Mr. Bill Willingham. Now, when you hear that name, what do you immediately think of? Fables. Large cast of characters, right? It, the art is by Cesar Razek. Color art by Daniela Miwa. Published by Dynamite. It is called The Greatest Adventure. And why? Six Flags, baby. Now, why is it, why is it The Greatest Adventure? Well, it corrals a boatload of Edgar Rice Burroughs characters under, in one series. The uh, the ba- the caveat is Jason Gridley. He is uh, from Tarzan at the Earth's Core. He is the inventor of the Gridley Wave. An alien presence abducts him with the notion of uh, taking the technology in the Gridley Wave and modifying it. They they want the technology, and they basically blackmail, coerce. Um, imprison Mr. Gridley to do their bidding. And he goes along with it for a certain amount of time until he finds out that the technology he is um, diddling with will be used to make weapons. He's not having it. Uh, the weapon they're going to make can, and this is, comics should be ridiculous, right? Will enable this presence to target anyone anywhere in the universe and take them out. So, suspend 
any kind of logical thinking and just go with it that, uh, you know, this is bad mojo. So Gridley escapes the alien ship, um, plunges towards the planet, and just so happens to be able to pilot the the uh, quickly burning up spaceship to Africa. And in proximity to the residence of Lord and Lady Greystoke, yes, Tarzan and, ah. J- and Jane. And uh, Tarzan uh, learns of the presence and what they're trying to do, so he uses his connections to call in a bunch of favors. And who does he bring in? He brings in his son, Korak the Killer, his son's wife, Miriam Clayton. He brings in Billy Byrne from Burroughs the Mucker, the Oskaloosa Kid from the Oakdale Affair, Bridge also from the Oakdale Affair, which is somewhat of a sequel to the Mucker, from the Mad King, he brings in Barney and Victoria Custer, Jim Stone from The Resurrection of Jimberjaw, Townsend Harper and Virginia Madsen from The Monster Men, Johnny Lafitte from The Wizard of Venus, Julian II from The Moon Maid, the highwayman known as The Rider from the novel of the same name, Shannon Burke, the girl from Hollywood, Ulysses Paxton from The Mastermind of Mars, and what would a Burroughs story be at Dynamite without... John Carter and Deja Thoris. This series is awesome. <laughs> I cannot tell you how extremely excited I am to read this, and it's good. It's there's Tarzan fighting dinosaurs. There's espionage. There's pulpy goodness. It's it, it's a, I think it's a six issue limited series. Wait for the trade or don't. But you got to read this if you're a fan of Burroughs or the Pulps or Tarzan, or any of these characters. It's so good. Willingham is spot on. And it, it doesn't matter that all of these characters never really crossed paths. Well, some of them did. But all you got to know is they're all Edgar Rice Burroughs created characters, and Willingham is finding a reason to use them all in one story. That's good enough for me. The uh, Roberto Castro cover... Has a bit of a Gil Kane vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. And I'll put um, preview images of this series up on our eleven o'clock comics dot com site, so you can see them. It's wow! I I I'm loving it. I, this, this is my candy. Yeah, I'm the art. It's my candy. Yep. You know, for you, I will read it. There's they're attacked by things from other Burroughs novels. I don't want to say there's a. A uh, Barsoomian airship. <laughs> so good. Silly how much I love this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is the, this is the 12 year old Vince saying, Oh my God, like I'm reading the, the, the Mars novels for the first time. It just feels like that again. Mm-hmm. Yep. Greatest adventure. And that's the name of the ship. Hmm. Do it. Read it. Buy it. Get on bonnet. Uh, in your travels, I wasn't sure if I was going to go long on this, so I won't. So I'll use it for tonight. Um, I caught up on, except the latest issue came out today, but Detective Comics. And um, issue 950 was... Uh, 
extra sized. It had some other stories. It had a uh, Azrael and, and Batwing story, a um, a Batwoman story, a story with um, where Robin pre Tim Drake pre death uh, was talking with Batman about this war that's coming because everything that Batman is putting into play seems to be setting up for something bigger. Um, getting extra players and, and, and having them on his team, which is something that Batman's never really done before. Uh, so Tim feels that Batman must be preparing for something, but Batman isn't speaking. And of course now it's just dot, dot, dot to a story that'll happen in the future. But the gist from issue 950 through 956 is a uh, is an arc titled uh, League of Shadows and uh, it's by James Tini IV uh, Marcia Takara and Christian Duce and Fernando Blanco um Alvaro Martinez and Eddie Barrows for a few pages here and there. But it's basically, if you're an orphan fan, this is your story. Um, I am not the world's biggest orphan fan, so I dug the story for the other players. Um, I, I get the appeal for the old Batgirl now orphan for, for Cassandra Kane. Uh, it's just I, I've seen this type of character before, so I'm 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 pretty much full. I, I'm I'm good, but uh, you know if 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 Batman can train her, keep her. I mean, I dig the the, the look with the, you know she can just look at somebody, and there's already like a half a dozen a dozen places that that she can just she'll look at your body and 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 just take you out. But um, she doesn't really talk all that much. She's very antisocial and awkward and. Um, that's that's her character right now, but it's a little too much for me. But you also have an appearance by Rachel Ghoul. Uh Cassandra Kane's mother shows up in this story and basically kicks everybody's ass. Um Do we know? Should I say who Cassandra's mother is? Is that pretty much common knowledge? Yeah, I, I well, think so. You could say it. It's Shiva. Uh, and Shiva. who, who actually doesn't want to, she kind of does, but not really want to put Cassandra in her place or kill her. But she knows Cassandra's soft because of, of how her father brought her up. And apparently, um, Cassandra has issues with, with even believing her mother is, is alive, let alone Lady Shiva. But, um, uh, Shiva basically mocks her by, by saying that, you know, you, your father just told you any old story and you believed it. But, uh, also Jacob Kane and his gang of misfits, because when they were, um, trying to take over Gotham and, and Batman and Tim had to, uh, and Red Robin took them down, um, they've been Batwoman's father and some of his soldiers have been locked up in the Belfry. Uh, they're free now, and they're probably going to cause Batman some uh, some drama. But overall, it was a um, it was a a pretty cool arc uh, as far as seeing um, some of the 
seeing Batman's crew um, come together and 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 take on uh, Shiva and all the assassins and 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 everybody else. Everybody is not not triple agents, but everybody's duplicitous. And and you know you, you Raish saves Batman only to offer him up to Shiva because it benefits him later on down the line. Even though he knows Batman will get out of it, but still it just, it's, it's, you would think Batman would know better, but, um, you know, it's convenient that Damien wasn't involved in this story. Cause I guess he wouldn't want to see him face off against his grandfather. And, uh, there was one part I really do wish, because I, I guess I missed a couple of issues somewhere because I didn't know that, that Jean Paul Valley actually joined, Batman's team. I know he was helping out at the shelter, but I didn't know that um that Ezreal just became uh a member of, of Batman's group, but here he is. And 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 that's that's one thing that that kind of bugged me is that I don't know enough about everybody as we're just you, they they just automatically assume that you know everybody on the team, everybody's power set and 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 what they can do. Um alter egos and the whole nine and and if you're not if, if you're not so knowledgeable if you haven't been reading the series from the beginning you may not know all of that and and that was a little um off-putting it didn't obviously these characters weren't so integral to the story but i still would have liked to have known you know well i wasn't sure if that's who that character was because they didn't actually say a goddamn name but um it was it was it was a pretty funky story. There was a shit ton of artists on it though. Um but for the most part it, it looked good. Takara seems to have a different kind of um look these days, not the uh not the kind of thin line that, that we've used to seeing on um on his earlier Marvel work, but it's still a um it's still it's still serviceable, it still tells the story it's supposed to tell. So I I I wasn't expecting to go um so deep and and shotgun a bunch of uh, detective issues, but I did because I didn't know at the time that they were all part of the same story. So I kind of couldn't stop. But yeah, if if you haven't been checking out Detective Comics, it, it's still it's still a pretty pretty strong title. Strength, strength, strength. Okay, uh, in your travels. A couple things. One, uh, make sure you go to 11o'clockcomics.com, our faithful website. This week we hit you up with uh, an interview with Andrew McLean, creator of Head Lopper and Apocalyptic Girl. Uh, I hit you up with an ode to my girl Domino, basically planting my flag, expressing my uber fandom before all y'all busters become uh, uh, Fairweather fans when the second movie comes out. <laughs> Uh, and we also, uh, late last week, right, uh, right around or after, right after we did the show, we had, uh, an interview with, uh, Challengers Comics and Conversations co-owner, Mr. Patrick Brower. Uh, now as to the comics in your travels from Image Comics, written and drawn by Mr. Jim Mafood, Girl Scouts Magic Socks, number one. I started this. This is fun. Uh, Jim Mafood is a, uh, beloved indie creator, uh, as much known for his graffiti style 
uh, as anything else. And Girl Scouts is a long-running, although fairly big gaps in between uh, arcs, creator-owned concept that he's done in the past. I believe the last time he put this out was way back in 2003 in a miniseries called Work Sucks. So he is back 14 years later uh, with another story of Gwen and Daphne and Rita, or three kick-ass Riot girl type characters. And in this story, um, they are confronted uh, with one of um, one of their cousins, another girl, uh, escapes, or I guess is released from prison, escapes from prison, and she is um, a little maniacal, and she is looking to kill them. Uh, she also has a magic uh, power in that she can manifest weapons uh, through a cell phone. So it's pretty trippy, man. If you're not familiar with, with Jim Mahfoud's work, his style is indeed distinctive for sure. And I think he looks fantastic in this book, uh, inclusive of the colors, which I believe are by Justin Stewart. Um, I thought this was a great first issue. It was action-packed. Love the dialogue. It's uh, it's it's definitely got that hip-hop flavor to it, which uh, pleases me to no end. And, uh, it's, it's psychedelic. It's, it's something that, uh, you need to definitely be into the, the more, uh, radical experimental, uh, angle of storytelling. Um, I will read you one little word balloon to illustrate the kind of dialogue we're talking about. Uh, she says, so long, you silly deadbeat bitches of vasty savage seas and may a fat shitting parrot guide you toward the truth. It is I who reign supreme. I, the diggity daff who is the mightiest of the Girl Scouts tribe, the money, the loot, the sweet booty, the dank coin. <laughs> it is safe with me to build a new empire and a better set of brass knuckles. Good night, good luck, and don't forget to pour out a bit of the red beard malt liquor for the fallen homies. If any of y'all know me, you know that is uh, poetry to my ears. like he crawled into your brain. It is, it is. Yeah. So, huge hat tip to, to my food. It's nice to see him back doing something like this. Um, I think the last time I saw him was... Marijuana Man. Marijuana Man, yeah. yeah. Which I was not a fan of. Uh, <laughs> even though I love him and I love Joe Casey, I thought that was an odd an odd story. And uh, yeah, it's great. You read this too, right, Vince? I sh- sure did. Yeah, and I loved it. So good, right? It's like I said, it's a revelation. The, the one, uh, the single uh, page where we first meet Rita, not only... Does uh, we get a peek at at her her room uh, where she works, and there's a Frank Zappa, Zappa. Yeah. <laughs> poster on the wall. There's a hip hop family hip-hop tree, family tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, Von Bodie's Cheech Wizard. But if you notice, Mafood gives his boy Scotty a little kiss. The the I the, hate Fairyland, yeah. the comic closest to her chair is I hate mm-hmm. Fairyland. Yeah, and there's Southern Bastards and Bitch Planet. Bitch Planet, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it take, pl- takes place in Freak City, but I think Mafood's cartooning here is—he's uh, he, jumped up a lot. He's employing the, you know the dot patterns and the, mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. panel layouts are astounding. Yeah, it, it's like the page can't even contain the work. I don't think I could afford it, but I would love to own a page from this. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice. Like Daphne's smoking hot, but it's not. 
the page I read where Daphne's saying all that, that I would love that page. Yeah. There's even a coffee stain or a, a, a cup stain that he, he has on the page, mm-hmm. which I, I would love to know if he did that digitally or if that's actual stain and he just left it on there or if he did that as an effect. What do you think? I, I don't know. Um, there's a digital shadow that he uses on the one um, one flashback scene. So mm-hmm. maybe, maybe it is digital. But I don't. Jason didn't mention this, but you don't only get a story here. You get uh, Mafud's mental meanderings on the page. Like you get a soundtrack, the things that he listened to while he was making this issue. You, there's a what's this whole Girl Scouts situation about right. anyway? Right, there's a mod to tank girl. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. sketchbook, pre-production drawings, uh, and. I guess there are real Girl Scouts on YouTube. I was going to ask you about that. I haven't yeah, done I, YouTube yet to check that out, but yeah, I, it does I don't know. Like, it look, it looks like there are. I like his version of Rita better than the real one, though. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, yes, and it's just the if, if you've read Tank Girl, it's it's along the lines of that. It's just uber violent. People getting shot and killed everywhere. Nobody cares for any kind of ramifications of their actions, uh, the, except maybe Rita. Uh, the law, people don't even cons- consider it. You know, there, there, there's cops in this world, really? Look at all this stuff. that There's nudity and fornication and drug use and... and uh, Ornication? Profanity. It's, it's definitely in our wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah, there... It, I cannot tell a lie. It was I who shit in your lentil soup. Yeah. Love it. I love lentils. That's like my staple food. It is? Yeah. Love it. I, just taught, I just taught myself to eat the lentils. Oh, yeah? They're good for I you. did. They are good for you. That's why I taught myself to do it. Yeah. Love them. So there you go, people. Thank you for being here with us mm-hmm. in this extra long. avocado toast to y'all. Extra long thematic episode of 11 O'Clock Comics. We will be back next week. Right where you got this. Join us, please, because if you don't, Mr. Price will be very out of sorts. Or and we will have listener questions next week. Yes. Or and I think, depending, it's it's either next week or the week after, we will announce our first book of the month. Woo-hoo. We won't discuss it, though. We, we will announce it, and then we'll discuss it later in the month. We'll all get together and, and read and sing Kumbaya. So right, come, but come. we'll announce it so that you all can play at home that's and read right. it yourselves yeah, if you that's want. What, that's what I said. All right, dude, relax. Is this thing on? <laughs> wow, he's so jumpy. So jumpy. Mm. Anyhow, come back next week because David, as Jason has been very fond of saying recently, or he'll feel some kind of way. Mm-hmm. So please, <laughs> say goodnight. Why are you saying, uh? Wait, 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 wait a second. I'm not taking it busy. back. Uh, I was too busy with the whole. Is, oh, you're you screwed. This thing, buddy. Some kind of way. You're screwed. I know. And then you said, "Uh, <laughs> keep going." <laughs> just failure. Yeah. See, Vince just wants you to fail. What that's, we've got here is that's failure beautiful. to communicate. Some horseshit. That's what he wants. Really. So that's what he gets. That's all right. David, it'll be the episode where it just it, it it goes on to the next week. I'm going solo. I said, David, right? You didn't say nothing. You didn't say it. Come on. 
Say what? You're too busy doing the whole little, little, little giggle, giggle stuff. <laughs> oh, giggle, giggle, giggle. No, giggle, giggle. Oh, I got a crack. Giggle, giggle, giggle. David. Ah, oh, perfect. Uncanny. How did you do yeah. that? He, man, he could take 73 minutes and you'd say perfect. It's because I love him. <laughs> love you too, love but you don't seem to think so. Perfect. Well, that's his loss. Sure. Who's lost? Well, yeah, okay, let me just leave you all with today's quote of the day. Oh boy. From Ben Carson. Who? Oh Lord. Poverty is a state of mind. <laughs> okay, tell your stomach that. It's <laughs> like an idiot. Tell the fifteen million kids that are don't have food every day. It's great. Right. <sighs> Sunderland. Two. Bye, people. We love you so much. Three weeks. <laughs> Giddy. Maybe, maybe I can possibly convince you that all these things you're feeling don't exist, much like Dr. What Octopus. Things? These, these things you think I think of you that don't exist. <laughs> it's, it's, I like the pitter-patter of it, though. I'm sure you do. My brother. Come mm-hmm. back next week. We love you so much. Say bye. Toodaloo. Toodles. Thank you.